0: you're listening to the frugal spender podcast where we have conversations about the one thing you've always been told not to talk about personal finance Hey guys, and welcome back to the Frugal Spender Podcast. This is episode 27, and today I'm going to be talking with Anna Brading. Anna is a financial educator, content creator, business owner, and songwriter. She is also a fellow TikToker in the world of personal finance and is somebody that I was keen to sit down and have a conversation with, as it is clear that we both share passion around sharing solid fundamentals around debt, money management, and investing. Anna is a certified financial education instructor and is clearly on a mission to spread financial literacy as far as she possibly can. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Anna Brading. Hi, Anna. Welcome to the Frugal Spender podcast. How are you?
1: I'm very well. Thank you for having me today. I'm excited to chat with
0: you. Me too. So I, I don't spend a lot of time on TikTok, like scrolling through and actually consuming content because I don't know whether you get the same sort of feeling because you create content on there. Most of the stuff I actually absorb is stuff that's either similar to mine or things that I find interested, but I very rarely spend, like most people do, hours just kind of scrolling through a TikTok. But um, your stuff came up a few times, I reckon a couple of months ago, and I thought we the stuff that you talk about resonates quite well with what I talk about, and I thought it would be great to sit down and have a discussion with you about all things money and anything else that springs to mind
1: absolutely i think i agree i think we're on a similar wavelength um and even just looking at your uh sort of bio and stuff a little bit I, I noticed we kind of have a similar journey which is one of just kind of realizing there's so much to learn that we didn't learn and actually um you can really change the course of your life if you understand some principles of financial literacy and you get your head in this stuff it's, it's literally life-changing um And I think both of us, I think, have both taken out time to do that and realised, you know what, it's not that complicated. Most people should have known this stuff growing up and learned this stuff. Um, So I'm quite passionate about that, yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, I can see that. And I am as well. And I think that's probably why we both feel like we're on the same sort of wavelength. Okay, so you said, I don't know too much about your journey leading up to where you got today. So it might be a good good place to start. Um, Tell me about kind of what led you to doing this crazy thing of creating content on what yes. was a dancing app.
1: It was, was. Um, yeah, I can I can honestly say I've I've not engaged with the dancing side of TikTok. Um <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't for me, but I have found my little my little corner of the world there. Um so I'll tell you what what happened was um so I'm like a lot of people, well educated with a degree, right? I got a maths degree. So you kind of think if you're gonna get a maths degree, you'll probably be fairly, you know, you do well, right? You kind of get a nice job, do, do well in life. And, you know, I worked with numbers a lot, so I should know a lot about numbers and money. And you kind of think these things will trickle into your adult life. Um, then I got, so I had jobs after graduating. Um, then we started a family, me and my husband, um, we had kids. And then what happened was we got to a point where um, the cost of living was going up for us because we had kids. And so every year became more and more expensive um and then our income wasn't and we were kind of and I was at a point where I was like I don't want to just go back to the grind I don't want to leave my kids at home all the time and that just wasn't for me um and I I realized where I'd kind of thought I knew the right route to go which was get educated get a job and you'll kind of be set financially just wasn't the case like I felt like I was out of options and we were money was just getting tighter and tighter and I was getting miserable and I was like really frustrated because I just thought, hang on a second, there's got to be there's got to be other options out there, right? It can't just be that both parents have to just be out all the time in a nine to five that maybe I didn't even enjoy, um, just to pay the bills. And it it just, it just seemed crazy that I didn't know what to do. So I was on holiday and we were um I managed to just about get on holiday, but we were like really kind of really tight cash. And I was like getting more and more frustrated and I picked up a book and it was like a light bulb went on my head. And I actually picked up the four hour work week festival, which led me to then read Rich Dad Poor Dad, and like all of the big hits on um, on money and financial literacy, uh, Money Master the Game, Tony Robbins. I just, it was like these people were speaking to me and sort of giving me another option. And they were sort of, it was like, I just realized I'd only ever seen one route. I'd only ever been shown one route. And actually, There are many, many routes, depending on what your goals are, what you wanna do with your life. And money is one of those things that you, it's a tool. So if you can learn how it works, you can create the kind of lifestyle that you actually want. And I realized, although I was well-educated, I actually didn't have a financial literacy education. I, I wasn't financially literate. I didn't know how money worked. I kind of was like paycheck to paycheck, earn money, spend it, earn money, spend it, don't really know what you're doing. Thinking everyone else knew what they were doing. Um, so that that just sent me off on a journey. I was just like, right, that's it. I am in, I am gonna learn this stuff. I'm gonna get financially literate. I'm gonna start side hustles, businesses. I'm gonna learn how to invest. I'm going fully in. So I did, and I tried stuff out. Um, I tried side hustles. some of them worked, some of them didn't. And, um, and that's what actually led me to get on TikTok because I had a business that was struggling. I was trying to get off the ground. And I thought, well, if I try TikTok, so I could see it was like exploding in 2020. Mm-hmm. I was like, right, I'll try TikTok, give it a whirl for my business, but obviously I won't do it for my business first because so I might be terrible at it. So I thought, <laughs> what else can I talk about? I was like, right, well, I'll tell people this journey of financial literacy. And as soon as I did, and I started sharing this stuff, my videos just blew up and it was like, oh, right. Loads of people felt like I did. Hmm. Like loads of people feel stuck. They don't know what to do with their money. They don't, they don't know how to um, create the kind of lifestyle they want. And that's when I realised, oh, okay, I think I found, I think I found, found something I really want to do, which is to to go even more further into this stuff and and start teaching and 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 create that account and start creating a space for people to learn. So there you go, that's like the whole the whole picture in about like a couple of minutes.
0: That was that was a good summary. Okay, <laughs> a, we'll go back and, and kind of pick bits out that you want to elaborate sure. on. What so how long ago was it then that you kind of had this? realization that not that you were that money was so tight that you were struggling but to the point where you're like actually every single month we're getting to potentially our limit and then we're starting again because I can definitely that's definitely yeah. what I used to feel and I think that's how most people feel but
1: yeah
0: wh- wh- how long ago was that for you
1: I would say it was about four-ish years ago so it's, it wasn't like super long ago um which I feel a little bit embarrassed to say no it must have been a little bit longer but I, I feel a bit embarrassed to say that because I'm like It feels really late on in my adult life that the penny dropped.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm
0: I'm exactly the same. I mean, I'm I'm 33 now um, and I pretty much went through the first 29 years of my life, just like everybody else. I wasn't taught the stuff at school, which most people aren't. You know, even somebody who's got a master's degree doesn't get taught how to manage your own money properly, how to invest. And you think even though the subjects are so closely related, it should be somebody who's good with numbers should be able to figure this stuff out. But it is so true that personal finance is not only personal, but it's just so emotional. Like people, people are just stuck in this kind of rut of wake up in the morning, go to work earn as much money as you can try and go climb that sort of corporate ladder, which I always hated, always like I I instinctively hated that kind of fake structure. I don't know how you feel about it, but I used to always like, I I did a couple of corporate jobs before, um, before I joined the police when I was 28, 28. Yeah. So I did the police for nearly five years. Um, And leading up to that, the corporate structure used to drive me insane. I used to hate mm-hmm. the kind of like pretending to be nice to your boss, for them mm-hmm. to then be nice to their boss. And then hopefully if you come in early and you leave late every single day, you might potentially get a pay rise. Um, and then everyone's afraid to leave, in particular in the police, actually. People are right. ter- people are terrified of leaving the police because they have this kind of fake sort of feeling of security. Um, mm-hmm. And even though, especially during COVID, I mean, it was certainly secure for me in the sense that, I pretty much wasn't going to lose my job but that's not really secure because they i mean the government froze police pay in the yeah. height in the height of lockdowns the time when sort public services were needed the most so i think it's quite ironic that there's this sort of fake sense of oh i'm okay like i've got this career for the rest of my life um i'll have a nice pension which you know spoiler alert it's not so nice anymore um <laughs> and uh, uh, that's not me hating on the police but it's true it's any public sector has been put up on this pedestal that actually if you get into teaching or if you get into the fire service you get into the police whatever or you know or the nhs you're pretty much going to be sorted for life because you are looked after and your job is safe yeah and i think most people around the world not even just the uk have this fake feeling of security by being in this corporate environment where they turn up they don't have a huge most people don't have a huge amount of responsibility even if they even if they're managing people they still get to clock out and go home and do whatever they want and then come mm. back and they, that kind of monotony of day-to-day 9 to 5 is is people's security blanket um mm. and i think from my perspective leaving that was definitely the best decision i've ever made but wow. that was but that was simply off the back of a very similar kind of journey to you having this epiphany of I, I can't keep just like living month to month I, I can't um, and for me I mean I got into debt so that was kind of the trigger and I think for most people yeah. learning this stuff it, there is a trigger was it was there something like I know you said you were you know on holiday and you thought what was there something in particular that kind of triggered it?
1: there was I feel, I actually feel like I've actually never told this because it, it, it I'm so aware that I' you know there's certain privileges. That I've had growing up um you know I come from a good home and I didn't grow up in poverty um and although my husband's always worked for a charity so we've never we've never had like a huge income mm. but there's certain privilege I have so there's certain like when I tell this story I'm, I'm so aware the fact that I even got to go on holiday for some people that's like a, you know I just need to be aware of that and I just wanted to sort of premise with this this is why I don't like you
0: shouldn't feel bad about it because
1: no you know, I don't I don't everyone feel bad subjectively about it. has <laughs> problems yeah, no. And I, and I think that's the point is it's, it's so individual, like your own goals. No one should tell you they're wrong. No one should tell you just because you desire this, that's, that's wrong. Like, I think we're all so unique and that's where there isn't a one size fits all approach to this It's everybody has their own set of goals. And so for me, we've got on holiday by the skin of our teeth. And I was like, oh, yes, we're here. We couldn't afford ice creams for our kids. And, wow. and for me, like we could technically like yeah. we had some money in the bank but it was like it was a choice between that or this and I was like oh my gosh like I can't believe that we're having to you know really think about whether we can fork out a tenner a day for our kids to have ice creams on holiday wow. like for me that's not that's just not what I wanted and don't get me wrong I, we weren't we weren't terribly poor like it was just no. It was, a, like you said, it was a trigger. It was some, like-
0: something trivial, isn't it? It's something that you would never think you would have to think about. And I think, yeah. and, and, and that just, I think highlights the point how emotional it is, because that for you was probably an emotional feeling of kind of sitting and going, mm. oh, my, you know, I have to potentially make up a, a lie to my kid about why we can't have ice cream or something like that, yeah. simply yeah. because we have to make a decision about money. And I think
1: yeah. that, that it, I- uh, Sorry, sorry, I've just
0: totally interrupted you.
1: No, go on. <laughs> No, I was just going to say like, it, it, and I did have, so the bit that I was good at, right? The bit I was good at was sticking to not going into debt. And I think that was the thing that I knew growing up. That's the bit I had been taught was don't go into debt. Make sure you're, you make sure you stay above that line. And that was why we couldn't afford it. it. was because we wouldn't, we wouldn't, we wouldn't compromise on, on going into debt. It was like, so, so what I'm talking about here is really those extras, like having that extra bit to to enjoy yeah. life, to, to be able to treat your kids on holiday, to be able to do that, and some people, you know, they would just stick it on a credit card. But for me, that was just a non-negotiable. I just wouldn't do it, and, and we wouldn't do it. Me and my husband, we're kind of that's just not for us. So, why? We, so that- what,
0: what was the reason? What what? Why was that kind of an agreement beforehand? What what is it that prevented you from going into debt, or just it was a non-negotiable that you weren't going to do it?
1: I think because we we look at we've always looked at like like um, we've never even though we we're kind of living month to month we never looked at our finances as just a month. So we were always thinking, um, you know, in a year, like this is kind of what's going on. And we were quite good at that actually. Um, and so we knew that if we dip down in August, we haven't got enough in September to pull us back out of that. Mm. So it was like, if we go into debt now, we haven't got a plan to pay it off. So it was kind of like that there's not enough the next month to then get out of the debt. So it was like, just don't, don't even start going mm. into it. Do you see know what I mean?
0: I think that's a good foundation to start your financial journey on because my mine was wildly different to that in this sense.
1: <laughs> Go and tell me. Tell
0: me. <laughs> well, in no, in the sense that growing up, like I said earlier, like I, I was never taught that debt was was necessarily a bad thing. And I know there's two ends of the spectrum, isn't there? There's a kind yeah. of m- probably more on my side. I I despise debt, you know, for two reasons. One, because I was in it, mm. um, and I know exactly what it actually feels like to um, sort of owe somebody else something and be worse okay. off as a result. Because I think most people just assume that debt is normal. And to a certain extent, yeah. like a mortgage, I think that's inescapable debt for you know yeah. 99% of people in the UK. Um, but then other debt trickles down into it. With things like consumerism and you know the, the vast amount of money that's pumped in front of you on social media and TV is basically you can get this product here. Now my pet hate is Klarna and ClearPay and all those yeah. things that have made things that are debts not look like debt. And I think yeah. that's that's just a um, an indication of how normalized debt has become. And I'm almost trying to be the, the complete opposite of that. Possibly to the point where people think, actually, you know, calm down, debt's not bad. <laughs> <laughs> like that is definitely what people think. But you know, m- you know, most people that I know and talk to about this stuff, pretty much all have car finance, um, mm. w- which I now don't. We we bought out of it once I started learning about this stuff. That was what the top priority was. You realize how much money these car finance companies are making out of you, um, and y- it- it- the lie of you need to spend a lot of money on a car for it to be reliable. Is yeah. just, and I think that all ties into kind of the social norms that yeah. is, is for me, the barrier for people getting into this stuff, because I was, and probably still am viewed as weird by friends and family for taking such an interest in something that, well, I mean, it changed my life, but I've spent so much of my time focusing on trying to help other people because, you know, when I left the police, I think a big void was left there for trying to help people. As cliché as yeah. that sounds, but no, that, um, but there was a big, there was a big gap there, and I think money so intertwined with everything. Yeah, I thought you know what, actually, even if even if my business of the frugal spender isn't making money, that's okay because you know, luckily we have other businesses that which we'll get into in a bit. I think, um, but even if this was almost viewed as some sort of charity, my way of giving back to people, hopefully, then that was okay for me. Because right. I because I knew I knew exactly what it felt like, and it's still fresh in my mind now. Because it was only sort of three four years ago, where I was in a yeah. real kind of, I mean, it was a huge amount of debt. It was like five thousand pounds, but relative to somebody who's just starting the police, they start on nineteen thousand pounds a year, which is, uh-huh. it, it is insane. I mean, it it does go up to about forty after a few years, but starting on that sort of sort of wage, um, having a child, a mortgage, a partner, household finances. it's it's not sustainable certainly not now Mm -hmm. definitely not now but it wasn't even back then so being in sort of relatively high debt with five thousand pounds I can that's that's so clear in my mind how I felt I can remember sitting downstairs on the sofa Uh and just because I took it all myself I did it all myself I took all the responsibility of getting out of it myself I kept it very separate to my partner which was in hindsight not a smart move but I've kind of felt like I put myself in that position so I wanted to get myself out of that position and the stuff that you learn uh, that mm. you learned that I learned from these books and YouTube videos mm. and podcasts, is actually really simple.
1: Yes. It's, it it's not,
0: it's not easy. It's definitely not easy.
1: For, no, like,
0: <laughs> like, it's definitely not easy. It takes a lot of dedication and hard work, but if you have that kind of why in the beginning of like that, like I saying earlier, that trigger of, this is why I need to make those changes. Actually yeah. within, within a few weeks, you could probably get everything in motion that needs to be sort of set up. And then the rest is just putting the grind in.
1: Absolutely, I totally agree. I think if you want, I mean, don't get me started on what we're paying people as a, as a nation in terms of these jobs, you're talking like police and stuff. I'm like, that is one, if if I could get a soapbox out and stand on it and, and go off on one, that would be the thing. Like I've yeah. got friends and family, like nurses, midwives and I'm just like, oh my days, like this is so wrong. This is so, so wrong. So, so that's like, I totally agree with you there. I think you're absolutely right. But in terms of what you just said about um it being simple but not easy, mm. I think, I think, I totally agree. I think the steps are very simple, like almost to the point of it feels like like scandalous mm. that we that we don't know this stuff because it's so simple. And yeah. there's just those those key principles. I, I I always talk about like I have like a big 10. These are what I talk about. Like I'm just like, if you're going to learn some, these are the big ten. Get those under your belt, and you'll be you'll be pretty much kind of you have a good good picture. Mm. Learning the principles, I think, like um, is they are quite like simple, shockingly simple. But but then, like you say, actually putting them in practice and being disciplined and actually making that work um, is hard. And I remember my first year was really hard of like deciding we were going to get, build an emergency fund. That was very painful that year, but the result of that, when we completed our emergency fund, the amount of joy and stress reduction that I experienced yeah. actually caught me off guard because I was like, I hadn't even known I had this underlying stress because we didn't have an emergency fund that you could t- you could have, we could have sat down together and you, you could have said to me like, Anna, you just need an emergency fund. Once you do it, you'll feel better, trust me. And I've been like, yeah, yeah, cool, whatever. I wouldn't have believed you but yeah. like to experience that and like you say with debt to experience coming out of debt and how much it benefits your mental health and your overall well-being is like it's so amazing and so that's that's one of yeah again of why I love yeah. this topic so much.
0: I, I, could, I couldn't agree more it's, it's especially for that emergency fund um, point that because I personally and I know you know the majority of the UK I think it's something like 60 or 70 percent of people in the uk don't have um 500 pounds sort of gosh
2: as a was backstop. <laughs> yeah and
0: it's, it's, it's definitely it was definitely me Go, going from every time i had money come my way whether it was a bonus or whatever it was throughout my entire life as soon as i knew or thought that that money was coming in i was spending it i, I was spending
2: right it. And,
0: and i wasn't even frivolous i wasn't i wasn't even kind of I've never had an expensive car. I don't buy nice watches. I don't. I've never kind of splurged on anything that you would, from an outsider's point of view, think of. Oh, that person's trying to impress people. That's mm. that's definitely. I've never, but I've always kind of, as soon as money's come in, it, it, that money's to be spent. So let's spend it. Let's do it on something. And as soon as that mindset mindset shifted from actually, let's have a bit of a backstop in case something yeah. is to happen. Um, and, and I agree that for me, like you said, if somebody had said to me, this is the answer to to your solutions, I would have gone, I wouldn't have believed them same as you exactly the same. And I can't stress enough to echo what you've said, how that money anxiety, whatever you want to call it almost disappears because, because you're not afraid when, you know, the engine light turns on in the car. Yes. It's annoying and it's frustrating. And yes, it might be inconvenient but you're not thinking, right, what am I, am I going to have to go into debt? Am I going to have to get the credit card? What am I going to do? Which is, which is terrifyingly what most people feel when an angel light turns on in their car.
1: Mm-hmm. It's that low level of stress that we live with as, in, as a nation. Yeah. And I think, that's, I think that's why people are getting so angry right now with what's going on with the cost of living increase, because it's like we, we're not prepared for stuff like that like we're making we've most of us have been making it work just about and now something's been taken out of our hands and, and we've got no tools to do anything about it and it's and i think that's what's causing this sort of emotional outcry because it's not okay it's not it's not okay to work so hard and mm. you know you, you're doing the best you can and then suddenly it doesn't the numbers don't work anymore and again coming back to the maths thing like for me i just understand so much how it's not just numbers it's not just about um, you know it's, it's that like an emotional response that's happening all the time so those like shall I fill up the car can I fill up the car like that's an emotional decision uh, it's not just a spreadsheet and I think um, and again for me like what you said about I, I find it really interesting what you said about the police and um, and how that left a bit of a gap for you in, in, in like a purpose driven career I guess it would I don't know if that's the right phrase for it yeah. but I definitely resonate with that, and I think I, I'm I come from that kind of place as well, where I, I want to give back, I want to help people, and I think when you see the transformation in somebody's well being, uh, when they come on a bit of a journey with this stuff, and you see how much they feel positive about life, they feel excited, they feel like they've got goals that they're really they really like. They're like, I didn't even know I could do that. I didn't even know I could get to this point, and and I'm halfway there now. You know, it's it's so rewarding and it 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 drives it drives me on this journey as well I think similar to you
0: yeah no that's good to hear and I think there I think most people who create content online especially TikTok have good intentions and I think that is Mm. what most of it comes from that I'm interested to hear your thoughts on what what you think about kind of like financial education slash advice slash whatever you want to call it on, on social media, but in particular TikTok, because I think that's it. It's been quite, you know, it's been berated quite a bit in, um, in the media, especially mainstream media um, for people to be very careful about what they listen to. Um, But it'd be good to hear your thoughts on that.
1: Yeah. I I think, um, (laughs) I mean, there's some random stuff, isn't there? Like, Oh gosh. Yeah. I mean, thankfully most of it doesn't come across my for you page because I am quite, I curate that thing quite,
0: Tightly. you've so, nailed <laughs> you've nailed the algorithm maybe. <laughs> me and the
1: algorithm are like this like, <laughs> yeah. um because i just i just yeah so i thankfully it's more people like you that come across my my, my for your page but um yeah, yeah there's some yeah. there's some dodgy stuff out there for sure and there's scammers there's people that comment on our videos all the time saying have you heard of trader so and so uh mm-hmm. they really helped me and then people write a comment afterwards going thank you that's really great and i'm like no don't say you clicked on that please tell me you didn't click on that um so it's it's terrifying.
0: Uh, it, it terrifies me to my core that people yeah. read that people read that and believe it to be a real person. And yeah. that's not me judging somebody. Um, no. On the, but it seems so obvious to me when somebody writes something like that. But it's so easy to forget. And it's a bit like this whole money thing. Once you know it, it's easy to forget what you didn't know. But mm. when you see something like that, I just think I have really really hope. And I I, I have you can't again. It's a bit like you can't actually quantify if anyone's been scammed and it was no. I, I looked in my t- I did an Instagram story about it the other day I went through my TikTok and put in frugal spender into the search bar and there was a between 20 and 30 other accounts that were pretending to be me. I mean like that's something that happens to famous people. Why on earth would you be why would you be copying somebody who's got a relatively small following on a, on a social media platform. But I honestly, it it happened. It started about a year, year and a half ago, one or two would pop up and then they would message pretending to be me to my followers or whatever, you know, a bit like you said, just commenting on it saying message me on WhatsApp. And I thought this was just like the odd scammer here and there, but it seems to be a rather large operation now where they must be making money because they wouldn't be doing it. They just wouldn't be doing it. And it terrifies me that I can't quantify it. And thankfully, nobody's ever reached out to me and said, um, I have been scammed. I've had plenty of people message me saying, just so you know, there is an account that's pretending to be you that's messaged me talking about Bitcoin or some sort of investment advice. Um, The problem I have with it is these platforms like TikTok and Instagram, to be honest, YouTube as well, they're not doing a good enough job at preventing this from happening. And I know there's like, I mean, the very niche space that we kind of sit in, in this personal finance world, there's still quite a few people that kind of do create content. And I know a lot of them got together to try and, you know, reach out to Instagram and TikTok to try and, but it's never gonna, it's a drop in the ocean. Like they're not gonna, they're not gonna view every single person who's potentially a scammer um, and stop it. So I just, it really, it really does worry me. And I think that comes down to that initial awareness and education to start with. Once once you kind of know this stuff, you're way less likely to be duped by somebody who says, um, you know, you know, do do you know Bitcoin? If you give me this money, I'll do this. The only people that works on are people who are almost in a a point where they need money Mm. at at the right time, the right moment, it was almost serendipitous that they they've messaged them and it just worked out really well that they are in a really bad situation and they need money and they're going to take advantage of them. And I, I really, I really hate that. And I think you can almost avoid and push a lot of that away by people having a fundamental understanding of money, of finances. And if they had an emergency fund, for an example, I don't think people with emergency funds are giving away their cash to these guys that they don't have to try and invest in Bitcoin that they've never met, who's just messaged them on a TikTok comment.
1: Yeah, I, I think, I mean, it's a tricky one, isn't it? Because I'm just like, how do you even police this stuff? Um, it, it's, yeah, it's, it's very difficult. and And even as a creator, I'm so aware of what I can and can't say. So I'm really careful on my mm. videos to not say the wrong thing. I try very hard to make sure I'm clear about what I do and don't do. And I'm not yeah. going to ever ask you for money. And and it's it's frustrating when you're making a real effort to do the right thing. And then you've got these silly yeah. people, um, people.
0: Back to your point about policing, actually. I watched an interesting YouTube video the other day about um Bitcoin, I don't know what your thoughts on crypto. We'll get into that in a minute. But um, I was watching a video about Bitcoin and how potentially, not necessarily Bitcoin, but um, cryptocurrency in general could potentially be the thing that solves that. Really interesting. Uh, Wow. Um, In a way that, so it's it's really out of the box thinking really. So what, what this guy was saying was what you could do is anyone who uses the internet or wants to surf the internet, go on different websites, essentially when they turn 18 maybe, they leave a deposit of like ten pounds worth of cryptocurrency, like whatever the cryptocurrency is, and and that would last you your pretty much your entire life of surfing the internet. So every time you go onto a I don't know www.tiktok.com, you then you almost give them like a 0. 0.0001 pence deposit, and if you are malicious and you are obviously a scammer, they keep that money. So Mm -hmm. the the algorithm can spot, you've done this, you're being malicious, they keep the money. So it's almost an incentive not to do it. So the people who are like these big scamming farms that have, you know, hundreds of PCs linked up together and are shooting out millions of of messages at the same time, if they had to do that deposit like everybody else, they would lose millions Uh, of pounds. uh, So there's no, there's no financial incentive to go onto a website or to go into TikTok or go into Instagram and try and scam people because you're going to get instantly caught and you're going to be financially penalized for it. I thought that was a really interesting way of looking at it. That the reason why, like I said earlier, the reason why they're doing it is because they obviously are making money. They must be how you yeah. know re- relative to how many messages they put out there, it's probably really small, but they've they've got, you know, they've got algorithms, they've got code that sends out millions of these things at the same time. And all it takes is two or three people to hand over a couple of thousand pounds and then you know that's that's an easy day's work for these scammers
1: absolutely i wonder whether there's something around the identity thing as well like being uh, crypto and um web 3 and stuff being able to prove that it's you so it's actually harder yeah. in the future to create a fake yeah. account absolutely. because of all that stuff too which could be useful
0: yeah i think it, it's that fine line isn't it between anonymity which is what the internet was always all about you should you, you know you can't be policed on the internet that's was the attractiveness in the beginning of it um but there has to be a balance of of people because you can't educate everybody to the point whereby they know exactly whether it's a financial scammer yeah. or with bitcoin or or anything um you know that's where the majority of scams happen isn't it the old nigerian prince email like yeah you know to to you and i and to people we know that's an obviously ridiculous thing to to get in an email and you're never going to reply but there's obviously people out there who it works on because yeah they, they still do it
1: there's i mean my mum had a terrible one where she got a whatsapp message from her kids sort of saying hey mum this is my new number can you save it um so she thought it was me saved me as her as that number wow um and then they proceeded to message her but then of course if you've saved that as the name of your kid the message comes up under that I name yeah. so it's so convincing thankfully she spotted it and we we she called me and my dad got involved in everything so it was fine but it was terrifying for her and and she just thought how how like how, like the fact that someone can whatsapp you is is a horrible feeling like that's yeah. horrible and then to to sort of get in your family like that so i just it's horrible stuff i i just and they're getting more and more creative with it so I, yeah it's not good
0: and it's all about timing and sadly my career in the police i came across quite a lot of scams similar to that um people pretending to be sort of women from america and and, and extracting a lot of a lot of money from men who are just lonely and it oh. it, all, it all comes down to that kind of right timing in fact i mean two two years ago even even in the in the height of me learning about money I very nearly got PayPal scammed. Like, oh, like, like to, to the point that I even put in my details, clicked next, and then the only time it clicked for me was when it said, Can you enter your PIN number? That that's how convincing this was because the timing was perfect. I mm-hmm. I was I was selling things some things on eBay and I think I'd just um, reset my PayPal password. So in my mind, I was in contact yeah. with PayPal and it just the timing was. Amazing for them. Like within within a couple of hours of me doing that, I got an email from PayPal that said we need to um we need to update your payment details. And it it looked legit. The email looked really good, it looked professional. And then obviously when I got to the point where it was like into your pin number, I was like oh for God's sake. And then I had to go back and change everything. But somebody who was in the height of not only creating content about this stuff, I was I was like actively telling people to be careful. And I very, very nearly you know, I don't know how much I would have lost. I can't imagine it was a lot of my PayPal accounts, pretty minuscule, but, um, but just, just the thought of how easy it is to get yeah, caught
1: out. Really easy. I hate it. It drives me mad. And like the fake, you know, just people that call you up and yeah, my, um, my husband actually did a cybersecurity, he's a certified security cybersecurity expert person. Wow. And even him, he um he, he like even after doing the certification he had a credit card company ring up saying we've got some unusual activity on your account and he's he's so glued up to this stuff so he was like instantly on guard but the stuff they were saying was so convincing that he had to go through quite a few steps to, and he was like okay call me back on the whatever let's like, say it was Halifax I don't know what it was so it was Halifax call me back on their number and I will and I will talk to you. And it, but the, the info they had and the things they said, even to someone who's an expert on this stuff, it took a little while to even establish is this real or not. So it's just like terrible. And I, and
0: I guess it makes sense. It's, it's a bit of a Darwinian approach, isn't it? Because they've probably tried, you know, thousands of emails, phone calls, and then they just whittle down the ones that clearly don't work. And then they just, their little scheme of how to do it yeah. just gets better and better and better. And by the time you're the millionth person that's contacted, Actually, they've considered every alternative and every option. Uh, I mean, it, it is terrifying. And I just, back to my original point, I think most people who get into this space are in it for, with good intent and, yeah, and, want, and want to help people.
1: Let's talk about that a sec, if, if you don't mind, because I've got, I had, I found something out the other day that made something make sense to me. So I I don't know if this bugged you, but I find it very frustrating that there isn't more out there on this topic like there's not more on the financial literacy principles and like how to get into investing and all this kind of stuff and I was talking to a financial advisor recently and they were talking about um talking about from their point of view right so they I was like saying why aren't you kind of on TikTok why aren't you getting out there and they actually said as financial advisors you're not actually you're so heavily regulated that you can't even do marketing really if yeah. you do marketing, it has to be pre-approved by your governing body well in advance. So you can't respond. You can't do things in real time. You, yeah. You're very, very heavily regulated, which obviously there's a lot of benefit to that. Thank goodness sure. that they're heavily regulated. Yes, good. Because if you're going to be taking my money, I want to <laughs> know that you're heavily regulated. Fine. Yeah. However, something just clicked for me because I was like, what? I think this is why there's this huge gap because yeah. and most of the people that get into finance are very... Um, You have to be quite, you have to be quite good at sitting through very boring um, documents and paperwork and everything. So you have to be kind of that way and very analytical and that way wide. So you're not going to get tons of, I mean, this is a huge sweeping statement, but I think we probably agree on it. You're not going to get like largely gregarious, outgoing, kind of uh, really good on camera, kind of uh, bubbly, sort of sociable
0: It's, it's, oh, the, it's the typical, stereotypical white male middle-aged yes, in a suit.
1: In a grey suit, right? And um, and I think th- that made something make sense to me. It's like there's a difference between because they said to me like, "Have you ever thought about, about becoming a financial advisor?" And I was like, "Absolutely not," because I firstly, I couldn't, I, I couldn't go through that process. I just died inside. <laughs> so I actually became a certified financial education instructor, right? Which which we don't need to do that. We don't have to. It's not a legally a, a requirement. But yeah. I was like, I just, I just want to, I just want to do it. I think it would just help my sort of sense of certainty and belief and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Anyway, doing that again, everyone taking that training was grey suits with a grey backdrop. Really, the most. Oh my day, the most corporate kind of branding that you've ever seen. And I was like, guys, like, no, because the different the thing for me is just because you're the people that are interested in finance. I sort of tend to have that certain demographic. However, everybody uses finance. Everyone. Yeah. So we've got this huge gap with like who's gonna who's gonna go out on TikTok and tell this stuff. So so on the other side, they've got the scammers on one side, but then you've got this need to close that gap to get yeah. that info broken down into bite-sized chunks that the average person can understand, and actually hopefully with some creative energy to make a nice video. That's really important. And that's a massive need, which is why, you know, I'm so excited to be talking to you. Cause I'm like, yes, you get this. You understand?
0: Yeah, no, I think, I think you've hit the nail on the head. That is definitely the reason because it's not approachable. It's not exciting. It's not fun. It's even, even to the point where I can remember um, before we bought this house we're in now, we wanted to sit down with a financial advisor. And I think I reached out to some sort of like comparison sites, um and put in kind of what we wanted and then people would contact you um and it was just like there was just the most boring conversation I think I've ever had in my like honestly the most boring It was over the phone and I was like I just I don't I don't want to meet you and that sounds really bad but they just they just sounded like they were going to try and extract my money and that is all it felt like it was it was a um it was a sales call is all it was it was essentially I'm going to take x amount of your money to tell you to put your money here or something mortgage related or anything i just thought that is the reason why the average person has this stereotype but that's why that stereotype exists of the white mileage man in a gray suit because it's true and yeah. the, the somebody with the propensity to go and do all these qualifications that you're talking about tend to be a you know certain type of person from a certain background who's probably quite well educated and potentially their family are in that sort of financial industry. Anyway, the kind of average person who, you know, works nine to five in some, you know, X industry isn't going to take time out of the evening to go and research this stuff. So it needs to be put in oh. the forefront of them, which is why, which is why I created t- uh, TikToks in the first place is because it forces it into people's faces. Most of yeah. them don't want to hear it. Most of them just, you know, scroll up absolutely fine. But the odd few that go, ah, this has caught me again, almost the reverse scam of, Oh, actually, I've been thinking about, you know, debt. And then a video come up about debt. And then they watch the whole 50 second clip and then they hopefully follow and go off on a little sort of tangent as to how I can improve my financial situation. But I had this conversation actually with Pete Matthew from for Money on his podcast. And he was saying that he because he's so heavily regulated It's really good that people like you and I, um, You know, I I guess I would call myself a money coach. I think it's probably the best description, although I hate the term. I think it's loaded. I think it sounds very woo-woo. But essentially, there's a market for people like you and I who are avoiding those kind of um, FCA regulations that can go out there and, like you said, create bite-sized information for people. And I think how you make that attractive, I don't know. Because, again, it, it takes a moment of, Desperation for me, and for probably quite a lot of other people, to pick up Tony Robinson's book or, or tony Robinson's book or yeah. um, or you know, any financial book that's so niche, you're you, you're not just going to pick it up in the library and go, "Oh, this is interesting." You're going to have to search it, and you're going to have to get it sent to you. For the average person, anyway. Yeah, and I think totally. I think people like um Martin Lewis, because even he, to a certain extent, is regulated, but he's regulated by the public because he's on like channel four and or and bbc wh- whatever channel he's on he he has to be very careful with what he says and and even though you and i might be conscious of creating a tiktok video and not saying something like you know you're going to have guaranteed returns and you have to put you know capital at risk and all those things yep. he has to do that at a higher level because he's got mm-hmm. the entire of the uk watching him so he's why is he not talking about investing why because the average person might make a mistake and blame Martin Lewis and then he's going to be sort of deplatformed. And I think, so he's not regulated by the FCA, but he's hundred percent regulated by the average normal person who knows nothing about finance. Uh,
1: yeah. This is interesting. Okay. Because I would like to know what you think about this. Martin Lewis, right. So we've got, I, by the way, I love him. I think he's, he's done mm, everyone yeah, a huge service. Big, big, big fan. Um, We've got, right, stuff that we we teach and we we talk about on our videos. There's this whole load of stuff. And one of those pieces is reducing your outgoings. That's one, isn't it? Like, there's, like, all of these things. For me, Martin Lewis only talks about that one thing. Yeah. So do you think, because I feel like you've just said, which, which would make a lot of things make sense, do you think that's because actually talking about, like, side hustles, investing, all that stuff is just too... It's too risky what, what, yeah. why is that, why is that
0: the case i personally think it's not so it's not it's not in the social zeitgeist it's not people people don't want it. side hustles is like this like instagram go out there make extra money work hard going from work and set on your laptop that's quite niche even still mm. i think he has to conform to whatever the social norms are and the social norms are right. as, you, as you as you can see at the moment anything on any mainstream media it's all about cut bills. Um, how how can we, you know, use less energy? How can we, I don't know, spend less on our food shop, which I think, yeah, like you said, it's a small, it's a small portion of what you and I talk about. And I think you should talk about it, but Mm. you're so limited to that point. And if you just, all you talk about is how to script money here and there, that's the mindset that everybody's going to have. It's how Mm. can we save, save, save? This is mine. Keep, 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 as opposed to how can I earn more money? How, yeah. how how can I get a promotion at work if you don't want to be self-employed? Or how can I break away from the nine-to-five grind? That's not something that's discussed openly, I don't think, um, to the average person. And whether, I mean, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but if I was, I would say that mainstream media are preventing that message from being sent out because they want people to be, you know, the, the whole economy is run by people who live who live monotonous lives, who go to work. That, sad, yeah. That's a sad truth, but the entire system we live in is kind of people who are almost stuck, that's almost benefits the system. And I think there's a better way of doing it because I don't think there's a perfect system or I don't think this is the worst system. But I think because that system exists, investing isn't mainstream, it's gambling. No. It's gambling to the average person. It was to me, like that's I,
2: true,
0: yeah. uh, for me, investing was gambling and I had to convince Georgie, my partner, where, when I kind of learned all about that stuff, I got out of debt, got an emergency fund as a family, um, and then we said, look, well, we need to invest. We need to invest. And she was terrified of it because she comes from a, her family are very good with money. Her nan uh, kind of instilled a lot of good stuff with her about, you know, don't get into debt. So she a bit like you never ever got into debt, was very conscious of, um, not living above your means, but the idea of investing
1: was alien. Mm.
0: It was again, the stereotypical wall street banker. They are the people who invest the money. It's a big gamble. It's a big win, big losses but martin lewis 100% invests his own money yeah, like, very like the, the, why 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 does he not even attempt to do what we do and say look invest your money yes your capital is at risk don't invest any in money that you could protect, you know that you you can't afford to lose but this is what's happened in the past in the stock market this is potentially you know if we're going to use past returns even though you shouldn't but that's the only thing we can use you're potentially going to grow your money better than you know higher than inflation but he can't because it's first of all too confusing. Because the average mm-hmm. person, the working class person who um, is following him, which I think is his main demographic, the people yeah. who are who who are kind of living month to month and potentially on a reasonably low to mid income, they the last thing they're thinking about is investing. So if he if he says you should invest your money in the stock market, he's going to be alienated. He'll probably be you know p- dragged over hot coals in the media for talking about something that's so risky. I really wow. do believe yeah.
1: that. Yeah yeah so do you think that then well I guess the question would be then how 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 do you get the word out how do you how do you teach people that it's like I think it's the here's the problem is if those people who are on a low income um only get taught you need to save 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 they're the ones that this is hitting the hardest and it's the most difficult for and actually it's it's like that that's quite mean in a way because you're basically saying like just save more and it's like they're they're, they're living their style of living is already so limited and they're not splashing the cash they're not being ridiculous with their money a lot of them they're just working hard and it's not <laughs> the numbers aren't working out so I, I kind of that's I mean it's been it's been something I've been thinking a lot about over the last eight weeks is how do you how do you inspire that person to think differently how do you how do you get in their world and think about how like maybe you could um Well, here's another point. You and I, obviously, we're we're entrepreneurial types. Like, we are that way inclined, the way we think, or, you know, otherwise we wouldn't be doing what we're doing. Do you think you need to be that way inclined to grow your income, uh, change your circumstances, grow streams of income?
0: No, I don't, because I wasn't always entrepreneurial. I am very entrepreneurial now, but that's simply because I sort out the information and it all comes down to the information, the education and the timing. I think of what happens, the, you know, Georgia, my partner is, um, she was terrified of going self-employed years ago. She, she, she's a wedding planner and a, now a very successful one. But before, before she did that, she again, had that kind of nine to five security of a job. And I always said to her, I would never have done it, but I always said to her, you're very good at what you do, set up your own business. Because we had that security of my income that could potentially yeah. protect us in the background. So I wouldn't have five years ago said to you, um, I was going to quit my job and run a couple of businesses. I'd never, never in a million years. And I think that all stemmed from me sorting out my financial position, having, wow. that, secu- having that security of, I've got three to six months worth of money sitting in a bank account over there mm-hmm. um, that and I, we sit down. We thought actually worst case scenario, if not, that's ever going to happen. But if we lost all of our income at the exact same time, mm. we're, we're okay. We can, we, we're okay. And I think that for me gave me the breathing space and the room in my mind to be a bit more creative. Cause
2: yeah.
0: I would say I wasn't creative. I wasn't entrepreneurial, but I think just having that breathing room, Allowed me to then go, Oh, actually, this is possible, and mm-hmm. I think that's what's missing for most people and to, to a sort of similar point to that, I used to have this sort of glass ceiling in my mind of what mm. h- how much money I could have earned and and I think not many people think about it like that, but I think the majority of people have that, whether they we whether they want to or way. not i yeah. my ability to earn was capped by whatever the my current employment was. That's what I was worth.
1: Yeah, I, I completely resonate with that. I think uh, there's a stat that I've heard um, for women who um, that were women who start their own businesses. Most of them never earn more in the business than they did in their employed job.
0: Wow.
1: Which is just, that to me, that speaks of an income ceiling in your mind. And I've okay. had to deal with this. I'm dealing with it now. Let me yeah. be transparent. Me, like, too. me Every too. level I go to, every new opportunity that comes my way, it's another conversation with my husband. It's another conversation with myself. It's like, what, what is my limiting beliefs have held me back so much in my life. And I'm realizing now the more I can identify those <laughs> work through those, yeah. the more yeah. I can run at this stuff and actually potentially reach, reach my, my goals, I guess.
0: It's interesting, isn't it? Cause I think, I think everybody feels it to a certain degree. Um, like I, I, used to always have a scarcity mindset and this kind of like um, lack mindset, whatever you want to call it. That that glass ceiling. I think everybody has it to a certain extent, but the exterior that you present, like I like watching your content, speaking to you. I wouldn't say, oh yeah, that, I wouldn't walk away from this conversation and say, yeah, yeah, Anna is definitely, you know, she's terrified of earning more money. She's she's dealing with those problems. <laughs> yeah but i think i think because it's because it's so again so personal to you you're dealing with that and you're looking at everybody else and saying well all of the, they don't have this because it's so mm. it's not talked about just like money is not talked about this kind of idea isn't talked about so people just go you know it's ingrained in you that whatever you're earning in that particular job is you know you kind of when you when you scale up to the future you can't envisage a world whereby you're earning double, triple, because it's, it's alien. And to me it was mm-hmm. like I was I was never going to be somebody who had money. Never. And it was I was I wasn't poor. I grew up in a humble, I mean I grew up in South Africa. So it was a different dynamic. But um I saw a lot of poverty around me. I certainly wasn't poor, but I saw it. So I almost felt lucky to have the bare minimum. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And then
0: and then and then coming to the UK, um obviously my standard of living rose, but I was quite young. So I didn't have much influence there. But I if I whenever I pictured myself retiring, whatever that was, um, I was just living of like, almost a bit like my grandparents did, quite, quite humble, just kind of probably state pension maybe. And, you know, maybe, maybe, I couldn't have explained to you what a pension was a few years ago. Embarrassingly, I'd be able to tell you I pay it but i would like thank goodness but i wouldn't have been able to tell you how not that i can tell you the mechanisms of pension now because my god they're confusing but i could but i could but i could certainly say you know explain to somebody in layman's terms what a pension is now and that's 10 times more than i would have known before um but i always envisage myself as just somebody who just you know has had things like Mm. i had a I had a house, maybe a nice one and a, a basic car, but I couldn't go on holiday. I couldn't go on like cruises when I retire. I mm-hmm. couldn't do all these nice things that I want to do. Um, and again, that all stemmed, that entirely changed. The, learning about money changed my life. Like, like not, yeah, not, it, it, it didn't change my money. It changed my life. It changed my outlook on, on marriage even, which is a weird thing to change my mindset on. So my partner and I, we've been together for 12 years and marriage to me was never important which is a crazy thing to say. N- not that it wasn't important in the sense that I always thought we would get married, but I never thought to myself, oh, first of all, this is doable because she's a wedding planner. It's going to cost a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah. Yeah. So, so thinking
0: that that subconsciously probably held me back from ever proposing to her. I'm um, wow. thinking, first of all, how can I afford a ring? How can I do that? Yeah. But but these all, these all were not conscious thoughts. These were all, no. th- these were That's all wrapped, it. wrapped into the whole we can't no no let's just we can wait we can wait we can wait we can wait but when i look back now pre pre good brian money real good money brian before before that i was a different person Wow. So, 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 and, and, and which is kind of why i think i'm so passionate about this money stuff is because yeah it's because it isn't just money it, it really isn't it will change your life you don't know who you could potentially become if you have a little bit more freedom in your life like even to the point of us both being self-employed like that it was something that never in a million years would we have done and and you know it's it's not about because i i didn't leave the police because we had it we were wealthy or um Georgia was earning a ton of money or i was earning a ton of money from the frugal spender that was not even it at all it allowed me and us to take risk and you know life yeah. is life is about risk isn't it
1: it is it really is and it has to be more and more now and i think that's the bit that people don't know yet they don't know that actually unless you engage with this stuff you know most millennials are going to outlive their pensions
2: yeah
1: that that's the thing that i didn't know and i'm like well then you have to have another plan you can't rely on that um but that's so interesting what you're saying about like your like even marriage was affected by it all and Mm -hmm. and i think it's just probably worth mentioning that um i know that you're not sitting here going Money is the answer to everything. Just be rich. It's not about the money. money. It's not the the quantity. It's not the the thing in itself. It's Mm -hmm. using it as a tool. It's like having a really sharp axe or having like a really good iPhone. It's Mm -hmm. like it just lets you do things that you can't do if you don't have it. And I think that's for me. I come from like a faith-based background, so I'm a Christian, and I think in that world there can be a lot of fear around talking about this stuff because you're so desperate to make sure you're not holding up as this like, oh, everything's about money, no. yeah. you know, there's this a lot of, so we don't have enough conversations around it because um, there's that fear of like it becoming like this, you know, that, they, there's that phrase that gets misquoted all the time, money's the root of all evil. Mm-hmm. And it's like, actually, when you learn this stuff you can put money in its place, it, it doesn't, it's not the thing that holds you back anymore. It's also not the thing that's gonna like solve all your life problems it gets put in its place where it becomes your tool and you can use it and you can, and you can make it make sense for you. And I think that for me, again, similarly, absolutely life-changing because I want to, I want to make a difference with my life. Like I want to make money so that I can help people. Like I want, it's not about, I always say, this, it's like, it's not about the Ferrari. Like for me, it's not about the Ferrari. Yes. I want to provide for my family. I want to go on holiday. There are things that we want and I'm not ashamed of that. However, I know that if I can if I can get a few businesses going and I can get a good income think of all the people I could help in my community like think of all the other people that I could help to start businesses and side hustles and actually increase their earning potential and all that do you know what I mean so it's like it's not the thing and I know that's not what you're saying this is why I wanted to come back to it is it's like it's not the thing it's just the tool that can lead you to the things you want to do and and open the door for you um It's it's the,
0: it's the lens that we look through. That's how I kind of think about it is the the money lens is how we look through to everything. And, 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 and that kind of magnifies everything, doesn't it? So if you're, if you're kind of um, worried about money all the time, you're shutting off so many opportunities to yourself and, and, and absolutely you're right. It's not about being rich. I don't necessarily want to be rich. I I, honestly, I I have this discussion all the time with my friends. I've got one friend who really wants to win the lottery is like, it's just, it's just this thing. And I, we'll have this conversation all the time with him and we sit down and we say, you know, if, 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 the euro, if, if the euro millions came in, 150 million, for example, if that came in, what would you do? And I'm genuinely at that point now where I don't think I'd want to win it. And that sounds that, that might, you might not believe me, but I, I do. But, but, I, but I actually don't want to win that much money because I think it would, first of all, take all the fun out of life. Because you would, you would enjoy it for, you know, you would splurge a load of money. And then and then, then what? what? What's up from there as far as, like, goals in life? I'm sure you can be charitable and you can do all those things. But that strive to try to earn money is a big part of life for many people. Um, so it's not, for me, it's not about having 100 million pounds in my bank by the time I retire. It's that kind of, it's the journey to get to the point where I have enough and that whatever enough is. And the, the important thing there, the word is enough. What What is enough? And that can only come from being intentional and thinking thinking forward and saying, okay, what sort of a lifestyle would I want to live when I retire? You know, how many holidays do I want to go on? Realistically, to still you know, have the same sort of friendship circles potentially that you have now you know what sort of car? How many do I want to get a new car every few years? What, whatever it is that you are like, because we're all different. Whatever it is that you like, what do you want to do more of? You can pretty much put a number on it, roughly, yeah. and then you can work backwards. And you don't have to. You know that doesn't start with a load of money. Like I've, I've not got a million pounds in my bank account. I, I one hundred percent believe that I am going to be a millionaire and beyond in the future. But because I've thought it through and my mindset shifted that way, again, something I wouldn't have said five years ago. Never, never Absolutely. would have, never would have said that. so it's definitely it's definitely not about being rich it's definitely about the fact that you're looking through this lens of money to do everything whether it's going to going to tesco to do your shop not having the anxiety that if i buy this thing over here that i want is that going to cause me financial hardship
2: Mm -hmm.
0: a decision that you make a hundred times maybe a thousand times a day is linked to money whether you whether you're conscious of it or not absolutely that lens is being looked through so it's, it's definitely not about more money more money money grabbing because if it was i certainly wouldn't be putting loads of free content out there i'd be monetizing yeah. it and doing my best to become rich that's not that is not what i'm doing so hopefully people understand that that is the case and i think that's a barrier for a lot of people that this uh, this kind of villainizing of rich people that yeah as soon as you have money you become something undesirable. You become, you know, and you know, if you look at the news now, it's all about, you know, Tory rich Tories, what mm-hmm. bad people they are. And you think that's such a naive way to look at life is that people once to have money that you, you must want to get one over other people. And you want to kind of like, forget about the poor people. They don't mean anything. They've got no money. They're not going to the golf course. Unfortunately, that is how, again, back to the kind of societal zeitgeist of how Martin Lewis kind of aims his angle is unfortunately rich people are viewed uh, as a little bit evil yeah they are yeah and I I even feel that when and I'm not rich but knowing that I have my finances in order I almost feel guilty because of that yeah because I know there's so many people that don't have that
1: yeah yeah yes we like that let's be clear there are some terrible people in the world does that mean that if so do you know that that quote I'm sure you've had that quote of um money doesn't change who you are it amplifies who you are yeah so so it's that thing of like what why would somebody who's a generous person who is you know does think about the poor, does have a good community that they care for. Why would money then suddenly make them someone like different? I do think with a lottery win, that could happen. Like things can get ugly. with like. But that's
0: that's because you're not prepared with the information and the knowledge and the friends around you to cope with that. If you gradually build it up, I think then then yes, you're probably in a better situation. Mm. But how many, I mean, God, I, I spend my life watching YouTube videos, podcasts, consuming content all day long. And if you watch anything to do with, I don't know, Elon Musk or Jeff Bezos, Mark Zuckerberg, anything to do with them, go over a look at the comment section.
1: Yes. Yeah, you're right.
0: These, these are people who, by all accounts, are um, very charitable. They give away a lot of their money, but they can't do any good. They're just mm. evil. They're evil capitalists who are billionaires. And, and that is unfortunately who they now are to the average person. Because it's so unrelatable to have that sort of money. You can only assume that they've done not only bad things to get there, but they must be doing bad things now to keep that money.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's true. And I think that's just the the gap again, isn't it? It's either you have your ninth five and you've got your income ceiling and you're working with that, or you're this beastly person over here who's hustled their way through evil things to be an evil rich person. I do think that is the caricature that we're presented with. And it's like both you and I saying, like, that's not the only, like, that's not it. Like, <laughs>
2: no.
1: this isn't necessarily good either. Like, we're not, I, I just don't think anyone should be, we shouldn't be saying, great, you haven't got much money. Like, well done. Like, aren't you a great person? Because that's the opposite, yeah. isn't it? So the opposite, yeah. if, you're, if you're a rich person, that makes you evil. Well, does that mean that you're really brilliant if you're poor? Yeah. Like, yeah. The, the two don't, it doesn't, yeah. I think we, we can't just stick with those two caricatures. It doesn't, doesn't really work.
0: No, and and again, it sounds like I'm a conspiracy theorist, but main, mainstream <laughs> mainstream mainstream media, it really, like it really does, it really does feel like that narrative is is pushed. It's this absolute hating of the rich people, and obviously the whole sort of mini budget thing, it, it kind of amplified that with the whole 45p tax potential tax cut that has been reversed. But I think that that really did show um, this sort of hate, hatred towards
2: right, yeah. the wealthy
0: because like if somebody earns 200,000 pounds a year because they've, you know, spent their entire life um, going to university and getting a degree and working their way up the corporate ladder and getting into a position whereby they earn that sort of money, or, you know, probably, you know, went to church every Sunday and were charitable, you know, every day of the week to everybody. And by all accounts, a very good person, but because they're in that tax bracket, um, the average person views them as, you know, they can't, they can't have any more money. And not not to say I agree or disagree with that um, sort of, That tax break, but I think it just shows that it's this them and us mentality. That yeah, I I I don't know how you change that. I really don't. I I I don't know if you can. I think it's so ingrained in Western culture, and I think it's just very much that capitalist mindset of, you know, you're evil, you're a capitalist, and you know, I'm I I want to go over here and be nice to everybody, and it's not all about money. But there's a there's a middle ground where you go out, you can go out there and earn money and be nice to people and do good with your money.
1: Yeah definitely and I think that's where the financial literacy stuff comes in because it teaches you again like you've already said to make those goals to Mm. decide what you're about and base it on that not just x amount of money oh I must have a million it's Mm. like that that, that's not you can't start with that you have to decide who you want to be and and how you want to set up your finances to enable you to be that person in the world so I think it's a totally different way of looking at things for sure um sorry go on
0: I was just I was thinking if, if so I mean I think we can probably both agree that the education and the financial education when we're younger is lacking and the literacy, yeah. that there is. I mean, there is none. I can remember business studies classes, learning about gross profit, and net profit. That's pretty much all I remember from that class. Um, no, nothing, that's all. And even then I was like, well, that's for people with businesses. I'm not going to be that person like, yeah. like there, there was never anybody there's never everybody going you know what you can this this is their path you can create value yeah. for people and you can make money doing it but sort your personal finances out first and this is how you do it yeah i'm interested from your perspective then if you if you were an queen of the world and you, you could <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a great title and you could you could change anything within the sort of financial literacy space mm. how would you how what would you do with a wave of a wand for future generations to be better with their money and hopefully change the kind of everything we've talked about that could potentially be negative around money?
1: Oh, such, isn't that the million-dollar question? Well, uh, obviously, it's something I think about a lot because of what I do. Um, so at the moment, I'm working on something to try and help with that. So I have a, like an initial, te- like it's, it's kind of like a 30-day program where you come in one end you know you can be sort of like I have no idea what I'm doing and you don't just get taught like use this bank account and use that bank account it's not like and there's 0.5% interest over here it's not do this do that it's very much get the understand the principles and put them into your life and see the transformation that happens when you do it like so come out the other side feeling more confident less stressed. like so I'm, I've been working on that behind the scenes for quite a while um, and it's definitely something I'm changing all the time because imagine if you or I could come up with or both of us we come up with a some sort of solution that we could take to businesses who have got you know employees um coming through their ranks all the time that haven't got a clue what to do with the money fresh out of uni got their first paycheck and there was some sort of something they could go through that made them feel like yeah I've got the basics down I'm actually set up and I'm investing now or I'm whatever or I'm clear on my goals, whatever they're they need so that's something i've been like definitely working on in the background i think is massively needed um for me personally i think the school system is is, is the thing that people sort of talk about first the most um mm. so when people talk to me they're like oh don't you think we should have something in schools if that was me i wasn't mature enough then to, to mm. understand this stuff properly so where i get really fired up is is the people coming out of uni yeah. or the people coming out of college because i'm one of those persons that learns by doing as well so if you've got somebody who's you know they, they're working in a restaurant two hours a week at the weekend and they're mm-hmm. at school still i'm not sure that they're really going to be able to i mean we should there should be stuff for them but i think if you're talking to me where i get fired up is that a person who's just got educated they've plopped out the other end and they're like whoa yeah. now what um so i think something there Something in that, in the mix, in the conversation, the dialogue for those people. I think businesses have got responsibility to do that. Corporations, like big, the whole corporate world, they need mm. to do better with their employees. Personally, I think.
0: So I guess trying to like find the most optimal place for people to absorb the information. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I agree with you. That it makes a lot of sense, but I think I think from a young age, we. I think there's definitely a way in schools to teach basic principles around money. Yeah. Like, definitely, I mean, investing, no, but just kind (laughs) of like, but there's a reason why sort of Asian cultures have generational wealth more, certainly more so than we do. I think it's just, it's talked about more that, you you know you, you build up wealth and then you pass it down generation and then it just continues right. to happen. So it's not, it's quite rare unless they're from very poverty stricken places that nothing is passed down to them and they don't, they don't have some sort of um, monetary start to life. It's not so to say that there's a load of money, but just it's, it's, it's within the society in like China and, and even India that they kind of as a family collective build wealth and pass it down. And I yeah. think in the in the West, it's kind of like um, you, you you go through life, you get support until you're eighteen, you get a sketch yourself a student loan, go out there do university, and then you're on your own, mate. Go you know yeah. go go work in Costa for a bit, and then and then figure out what you want to do with your life. And that that is kind of this the generic approach to to the kind of lifespan and then maybe you get helped with a house deposit if you're lucky from your parents or maybe your first car but other than that for the average person you're fending for yourself and then you're scrimping and then maybe you maybe you have a pension and then maybe your house has some value and you can pass that down but generally i'd say the kind of main western approach is kind of Live your own life, enjoy life, have that YOLO lifestyle, spend all your money, and then your kids can figure it out for themselves. And I think, yeah. I think potentially, like there's, I don't know, unless you want to try and attempt to change uh, the whole Western culture, um, I I can't I can't see how we can do that in a family setting. But I think maybe in like primary schools, even just like little li- little conversations around living below your means, like or saving yeah. saving ten percent of your money. Like my my daughter's school has a savings club, which. Which I think is pretty cool. It's because it's it's there, and it's kind of like any change you have, they save it for you, and then they give it to you at the end of the year. And I think little concepts like that are what I never had. And I think actually, maybe I I probably wouldn't have looked at that and gone, "I'm going to be a massive saver my whole life." But the concept wasn't alien then. The the of of saving ten percent of your money. Um, and I try and instill that with my daughter. I don't know if you do um with your kids, but I'll tell you, I'll tell you what I
1: do with my kids, and you might laugh at me, but I think it's I think it's great. (laughs) keep going um so we have four pots for the kids and i I mean let me when I say do this it's very ad hoc at the moment because they're still so young but this is yeah. this is what they're growing into so we have <laughs> we give them some money and it's like you, you save up for stuff so they mm-hmm. have on that pot they have written what they're saving for and this is on an app so they do it on my phone so what they're going to save for and it's like close for my dolly Emma like you know that yeah. kind of stuff right and I'm like great good for you <laughs> then they have like a giving pot Um, if they want to give money so like teaching generosity at a young age and that's not it's like not something they have to do I'm never going to force them to be that but I'm always presenting that to them yeah because I'm a big believer in like decide who you want to be now like just just make who who you want to be over there do it do it now so we have we have a give pot then we have the one in the middle is the like the 10% pay yourself first money is safe to grow it and um, every time we put money in that pot, they're looking at me like, so what is this? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what, what am I doing with this money? And I was like, girls, listen, when you get to a certain age, we're going to start investing it, or you might want to start a side hustle or business. You might want to sell braids at the weekend. Like, mm-hmm. whatever it is, you need to have a pot of money so you can start your business or you can start investing or in whatever you choose. The time hasn't come yet, but we're going to build up. And they were just like, what, mom? like what? Um, so they don't really get it, but I'm like, no, no, no. This, this If you can do those four... Like if you can, and sorry, the last one of course is spend. Of course, Have some fun, just go enjoy it. And this is the other thing is when you do, when you break it down like this, you know, that whole guilt spending thing. Like Mm -hmm. if you don't have any systems in your finances, you end up just feeling guilty every time you spend because you just think even on groceries, even on like going to the cinema, you're like, I don't actually know if I can afford this. So you have that kind of constant low level guilt going on. And I think when you have those things done, And you're just like, well, this is what I've got to spend. You can just then enjoy your money. And you can go like, yeah, I'm going to buy two packs of Haribo and some chewing gum and a chomp bar. I mean, chomp, that's telling my age, isn't it? Yeah, old school. For my friend Becky. Like, whatever. (laughs) It's like, do you know what I mean? It's like, just enjoy the rest of your money. Just go ahead and have some fun with it. So, um, yeah, so that's kind of what I'm teaching them. We'll review it. We'll see how it Mm -hmm. goes. But, yeah, I want to teach them to have those options
0: that's very similar to what i'm doing with with my daughter kind of money to spend money to save and money to give and i think even though even though i think you're definitely right having that kind of pinch point where people need to absorb information the fact that you're having this discussion and i'm having this discussion with my daughter uh, and daughters it's not even they're not consciously thinking oh yeah i'm going to do this with the money but the fact that they're presented with that information when they're our age they're going to look back and go, yeah, but my, I, I, I remember, I need to save a bit of money here. I need to, if I want to, give some money there, and then this is money to spend. And they probably will feel less guilt than potentially I do, which I even mm. still do spending money. Um, and I don't know about you, but for me, the best approach is doing exactly that, having separate parts of like oh, yeah. we, we have. Um, I use Starling for our banking because I just think well, Monzo is the same. But the the idea of separating your money just having a pot called fun pot um, yeah. is, is the most guilt-free money. And it feels oh, amazing. Brilliant. It feels amazing yeah. just saying, I know we have this much money and I can buy it. We can do everyone. Like I'm not going to feel yeah. guilty about eating out three times in that day. Cause we have, we have family fun days, which is a great way to kind of like splurge your money all at once. There um, so once a month, I plan it or Georgie plans it or my daughter plans it now, which is pretty cool. Um, and that's money. You you have total control of this money. If you want to go and buy a hundred chomp bars, you can do it. <laughs> yeah. or, or we go to, uh, we did like Legoland a few weeks ago and stuff. But like it's that for me is the only way that I have found that works for me to spend money guilt-free. Otherwise I'm always thinking of the opportunity cost of that money.
1: Yeah, absolutely. We've got a fun pot too. We've got like all kinds of, you know we we, I think it changes as as well as your your kids get older and you know different periods in your life you just kind of need different things but I think we prioritize holidays massively as a family um it's just a really important time for us and we realize you know you've only got the kids for at home for so many years so we, we really go in on that so we obviously have to stay for those um yeah and then weekends and and also just like every now and then going out for a meal and having a really nice meal, you know, stuff like that. Because me and my husband really like good food. We like really good food. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that costs money. So, yeah. We do little things as well, like where we've got, um, Barclays give us some blue rewards. Every, every, you know, it's one of those little things they do. And it's like three pounds a month or something or six pounds because you put in three, they put in three. It's one of those things. Mm. And um, we just basically don't touch that money. So every July, there's about 100 quid give or take because you get your tops up a little bit and you can have a nice meal with 100 quid so we just only use that for us we don't use it for anything else so it's just a little thing you know it's a small thing but it's just another way to make sure you're actually enjoying the journey as you go along
0: absolutely and that's why i think anything to do with money is all about being intentional and that includes spending money so like it's quite easy to be branded based on what we do as like scrimping savers, like eh, people who don't know what I do or have a vague sense of what I do with with frugal spender, equate me to Martin Lewis, and I, I really don't like that. And I know it sounds like we're brandishing Martin Lewis here, but he, um, I don't want to be known as somebody He's all about like scrimping two pounds here, three pounds there. Um, like I said, it's part it's part of the journey, sure, to be conscious of your outgoings, but it's it's also about how to spend money as well. Yeah, and and then like. Yeah allowing yourself to spend money
1: yeah absolutely Would you mind if i ask you um what your what your dream is for frugal spending i would be absolutely fascinated to know like because obviously it's, it's become more than just this is this thing that i do like this is
2: mm.
1: a big part of your life now so where do you see it going and what would you most like to achieve i know this is i don't i hope you don't mind it being a two-way interview i was like fascinated and no it's a conversation
0: it's- absolutely well yeah it's, it's an interesting question because i when i started this whole thing even the name was ad hoc and i thought actually the name itself encapsulate exactly what we're talking about i wasn't the name frugal obviously has these connotations of scrimping and going without and then i wanted to kind of have this kind of like opposing idea within the same kind of brand i Mm -hmm. suppose so i wanted to put spender at the end so that there should be about the balance of, of of both of them but when i started it it was it was very much this is what I'm learning. So I kind of wanted people to also learn it because I don't know if you felt this way, but it felt a bit like a superpower. Like I was learning something that I could see was having a tangible effect on not only my money, but just life. And I thought if it's actually that it really is this simple to improve your life. Why is not why why isn't everybody doing this like why Why? and I know that ties into the educational piece but I felt like it almost felt a bit too good to be true like I've read a book okay let's say um The Richest Man in Babylon I thought that was quite a good book one of the first ones I read and I thought that was quite a good one such a simple concept you know to put 10% away of your money before you spend anything okay why like why isn't that why don't people know this like mm-hmm. I know, I know older generations kind of talked about it and passed it down. Like, like I know um, Georgie's grandmother was very astute with money and she would say these sort of things, but that's because that was kind of talked about because of, you know, the war and that sort of stuff. But people, people our age and younger aren't, aren't discussing, they're not saying save 10% of your money. So why, why don't people do this? So I thought there's got to be a way of getting the information out there. And right. this is back in the time when TikTok was really just people dancing to like trendy songs. And um, my partner Georgia, she said she was like, "Why don't you create a video?" And I didn't even have TikTok at this point because I was like, I was one of those like grumpy old people that were like, "I'm not going on that app." Like I, yeah. I was, I was separating myself as much as possible. Like I never really used social media much at all. Like I had an Instagram, but never really did anything with it. Um, and so I thought, okay, I'll, I'll do it. And then I think I created a video. I looked back the other day, actually. It was a video. I think it was a video about pensions. I wasn't even talking. It was just like, it was a trending song. Like <laughs> it. So and I like, put like some writing on being like, I don't know, if you start your pension, this is how much you could potentially have, well, whatever it was. And then that video didn't do that well, but then it was at the time of me kind of learning all about all this stuff. And then I did a video about, um, it was about a TV license. And it was just like an off-the-cuff idea of, because we, we don't watch normal television anymore. We just watch Netflix. So we got rid of our TV license, which again is, my God, if you, if you want to like separate a room, talk about not paying a TV license.
1: Oh, really? Okay.
0: Jeez, um, it's, it's like the new politics of money. And um, so, yeah, we, ne- we didn't need it. So it was like that's about 15 pounds a month or whatever it costs. So I did a video, it worked out. If you cancelled it and just Watch, you know, what you probably watch anyway Netflix. Um, how much you could potentially have when you're 60, if compound interest, then you invest. Wow,
1: in. that's um, a good one, like that.
0: Um, but it came less about the investing and more about how you need to have a TV license. I think, oh, wow, I think it was like my second or third video, and it got something like at the time, this was like early 2020, I think. I think it got like 250,000 views, which is like, that, wow, that was quite bizarre. For, yeah. for me like my phone was constantly pinging with like comments but all the comments were just people like arguing with each other about Absolutely um
1: brilliant
0: it, it, it was it was all about like no you do need a tv license and then the other person's like no you don't and then you're like oh this is hardly any when you're you know when you're 60 200 pounds isn't a lot of money and you're like oh it's just and it was too much to even keep up with yeah Um, and to the point where so i thought okay well there's obviously now some opportunity here this can reach granted this is quite controversial which i didn't think it was but turned out to be quite a controversial subject of a tv license um completely missed the boat of what the what the actual um video is about some people took away that it was about investing but it assumed that the loudest in the room wanted to talk about the tv license so i thought how can i kind of use this to create videos to kind of get people interested in the same sort of thing I'm interested in. right? Um, and I was consuming a lot of content on YouTube. People like Pete Matthew, the Meaningful Money. He helped quite a lot. People like Dave Ramsey, even though he's American. I do quite like the way his, he approaches things. Um, and Mama Furfo was one that I watched quite a lot uh, on YouTube. And I thought I can distill all these d- ideas down into how I um, take in information and how I implement it. Um, and then I just thought I'll commit to like one or two videos a week. That's not been consistent. There's been times when I've got like months of not, and I was still in the police at this time, so at the oh, time, wow. so I was still thinking, Am I even legally allowed to do this? Because yeah. you know, I'm I'm a uniformed frontline police officer going to you know whatever incident. They can't then go, oh, I saw you on TikTok yesterday. Um, yeah, that's quite not that it's a conflict of interest because they're completely opposing subjects, but it could potentially cause Um, I continued to do it anyway and I separated them I never talked about what I did as a job as far as my videos were concerned anyway um and then just over time it just kind of grown and grown and then brands wanted to work with me which was quite strange um being branded as an influencer was um very very strange and it's still to this day it's very cringy thing to say I don't know how you feel about that, but it definitely feels a, feels a bit strange. Um, so it kind of turned into something that I didn't ever intend for it to be, but it allowed me to then create a YouTube channel um, right. and, and this podcast. And I've um, been able to reach more people. And that, that yeah. for me, over time, the goal of what Frugal Spender is, is kind of evolved into just as help, just to help as many people as I possibly can with Brilliant. basics. Because it's like we said, over and over again, it's not complicated. It is simple, mm. and yeah. as soon as people try and complicate things, you lose. You lose the audience, and it's like anything. Like if you're really good at the fundamentals, you're going to be good. You can be good at a really high level, and I think with finance in particular, smart people like to overcomplicate things. So, Very true. so when you say, um, "Okay, listen, you just need to budget, all right? Spend less. Spend less than you make. Um, save some." Invest the rest, and you know, try and get some revenue streams. That's that's pretty much in a nutshell all you need to do. There's more complexity to that, but that's summarizing it. And don't be in debt. Um, <laughs> as soon as you, as soon as a smart person gets that down, it's ah okay. Well, index funds only return you know potentially oh, between five and eight percent. So what I'm going to do is. I'm going to put a little bit there, but then I'm going to um, with take a, come out of this fund and then I'm going to go and buy that fund. And then, and then they got a spreadsheet about how much money they could potentially make if they moved it into this cryptocurrency. And then you just think you've, you're missing the point.
2: Mm-hmm. Like
0: just do the basics well and progressively increase it as time moves on. Like if you can invest 50 pounds a month now, in five years time, make it your goal to invest 2000 pounds a month. Okay, that's all you need to do. And, and with that equation, you will be very wealthy over time and you'll be able to do everything you want to do in your life. Yeah. But a smart a smart person's brain just wants to think of the most optimum way to do things at all times. Um, And, and I think the best analogy for that would be the, the two different ways of getting rid of debt, the debt snowball and the debt avalanche. Those two like opposing views of, should I pay off the highest interest rate mm-hmm. or should I pay the lowest value? And I'm very much of the lowest value because it is emotional and you should do that first because it worked for me. And I think, well, I know it would work for people who are in debt.
2: Mm.
0: But trying to explain to a smart person, I use, I'm going to use this, the the word smart person to encapsulate somebody who, um, uh, likes to, likes to talk about money at parties. I think it's probably the best way to describe it.
1: Yeah, I got you.
0: Um, um, that type of person would always say, but it's not, you know, on paper, on a spreadsheet that is not the mathematically the best way to pay off your debt. Um, Those people I struggle the most with trying to teach the basics of personal finance because because it almost seems obvious that you should budget, but they don't. It seems obvious that you should live below your means and they've almost convinced themselves that they do, but they don't. Because I don't know about your experience, people that I know, people I talk to, the middle class tends to be the ones that are the hardest to talk to about this because life isn't too bad. It's comfortable. You can get away with having... 10 grand in credit card debt and still go on holiday so you kind of avoid solving that problem because it's not really that much of a problem your income potentially can kind of allow you to make a few mistakes so you're not you're not kind of like you're not growing your wealth but you're not you're not technically on the poverty end and i think Mm. for me that was those are the people that are the hardest to to reach if that
1: makes sense so, who do you feel like you um, best connect with, as in, like an educator? Have you heard the phrase edutainment? Have you heard this? No. <laughs> this is the fact. This is what we do, Brian. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm I' tell you now. I am an edutainer. You're an edutainer. So, um, I had this phrase recently, for, like uh, with TikTok, and they they basically said, "Yeah, this is like this move of edutainment," um, which made me laugh. Anyway, the point is, through your edutainment on TikTok let's say, just, just take TikTok for an example. Um, I don't know how much you'd know from feedback from your audience. Who do you reckon you most resonate with and you could bring the most transformation to? What kind of person? Like Who would be your person that you could like, I can help you? Obviously everyone, but...
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I th- my, my audience from demographics tends to be somebody aged 20 to age 45. So it's quite a big bracket. Yeah. But the people that, um, and, and mainly female, as well it's about 60% female on both Instagram okay. and TikTok. That could just be because there's more there's more females on TikTok, which is definitely the case. Um but the people that reach out to me tend to be quite a lot of middle aged people um sort between 40 late 40s mid fifties who who um yeah. who are who feel like they are thinking about retirement. Yeah and they're terrified because they've watched a video that I've made about a
1: yeah. 20,
0: a 20 year old starting to invest. And by the time they're 60, this is how much you could have. And obviously they are looking at that and thinking, I've only got, you know, 10 years, let's say, mm. I'm not going to have anything like that. And then it kind of the panic maybe sets in and then they think, right. actually, um, so, uh, and the, the biggest kind of question I get asked is, is, is it, is it too late to to, mm. to, to do this stuff um and obviously the answer is always no it's
1: always no yeah
0: the the, the, the best time was when you're 18 but like like we talked about already you may not be in the best sort of place to absorb that information um yeah. so yeah i would say I'd say that the audience that responds to me the most are people who are in a bit of a, a sticky situation. Yeah. Um, there's obviously a lot of people that want to get into investing because it's a bit glamorous. Way less now, weirdly, that the stock market mm. is uh, crashing <laughs> hard. Um, yeah. But but but, it, but a year ago, my God, it was all about crypto. And and look, I I, I have a little bit of money in Bitcoin, not a lot. No, yeah,
2: I do too.
0: But the noise that was coming out of um, these young people 20 year old lads on on social media last year and the year before um like i was getting berated for talking about index funds i, I say berated probably one or two comments but those are the ones you remember um yeah they are. <laughs> and are. Um, and and you think that like it's so interesting that you learn about how to manage volatility and ups and downs in the stock market and everyone talks about it when it's on the up and everyone talks about how positive it is. And yeah, I'm going to be wealthy when I'm older. And then as soon as the stock market crashes, they do exactly what they've learned not to do, and panic and yeah. talk about selling. And it's just like, oh, I thought you understood this. I thought I thought we came to an agreement that we were just going to ride this out and we were just going to kind of like, as content creators and people and audiences, we're all on the same wavelength here. Um, but even content creators, I find, are very quiet now. And I think like, mm-hmm. I don't know if you've noticed that, but a lot of people that were, occupying the same sort of space as us um they don't create as many posts as they Mm. potentially did um and they they kind of just kind of like teetered out a little bit and maybe you know it could potentially be just life's in the way but i feel like there's less hype about making money now than there was last year and um and i think that's that is part of the concern it's that social wave of i think like crypto became so big because bitcoin exploded and you know, that became what people talked about. And then I think that pushed everybody in the finance space forward a little bit and potentially got more followers. And, yeah. and I think like, I know, um, I don't know if you experiencing it with your TikTok, but engagement is definitely less
2: than oh, it gosh, was yeah.
0: a year yeah. ago, even like an odd video might explode mm-hmm. and do very well, but considering how consistent I'm being, there's a lot of videos that I thought would be not like, um, not viral but like there's good information in there and considering yeah. the number of followers I have I would have assumed more people would have yeah. l- watched it yeah. um, and I think that all kind of plays into the same the same sort of thing of like people always play to the times
2: yeah that's back, back
0: to your original question of what is frugal spending what is it going to be it's to be consistent I think and I it's to keep me motivated just as much as it is other people
1: right yeah
0: Like, like I, I want, I like learning about money. I like learning about personal finance. I like talking to people about money. Um, and this is the best way to do it. Cause otherwise I would have just sorted this all out. All my money situation would have helped a few people and then kind of just left and gone about my business and then, you know, gone off course more than likely, because it's one of the things you have to review. Whereas mm. by going out there and helping people, keeps in the forefront of my mind at all times and helps, like I said, it improves my life in every, in every way the more it's not just like now that I've got the fundamentals sorted, that's it. I'm learning stuff like every day
2: about, yeah. about, about yeah. money.
0: Um, and I need to be careful not to be one of those people that wants to overcomplicate things because it's very tempting. And I think about it all the time um, about, Oh, maybe I should put money into here. Maybe I should put money into there, Maybe I should do this. Maybe mm-hmm. I should do that. Um, but my goal is for free Spender to like touch as many people as possible. And maybe in the future, younger people in schools something like a like a, a Jamie Oliver style money yeah. approach
2: yeah.
0: that isn't so like in your face like oh you know I'm going to be all over you know the mainstream media doing this doing that but I think if I can try and incorporate something of value to kids in school that isn't viewed out as boring and yeah. if I can do my part of like trying to change the stereotypical person in finance, if I can make it slightly fun. Yeah. Not that that's my USP of trying to be fun, but I think <laughs> that's what kids, that's, that's what kids want You know, gravitate towards, isn't it? So if you can, if you can somehow yeah. incorporate something interesting in schools, I think that that for me would be the ultimate would be, yeah. would be getting kids probably my daughter's age around sort of nine, 10 um, where they're getting pocket money, and um, they're probably gonna do like some summer jobs somewhere doing something. Yeah. Aware of their of their surroundings.
1: Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I, I think it's really interesting to me that, you know, we kind of, we teach the same sort of principles. It's like old school principles, but obviously the how changes as we go through mm. times, times change, and it's the how sort of changes. But the principles part, like we're both like, yes, this guys need to need it. And like you say, very, very simple. But it was interesting earlier when you said about um, the people that are sort of in the middle that have got like the, they've got a bit of, they, if they get it wrong, it's not going to be that bad. Like if they go into a bit of debt, they can get back out of it quite quickly. That sort of people. Interestingly, I think I connect more with them because I think the people I connect with are the ones that feel like they, they, they feel like they should be doing more. And they just got that. So, you know, we're talking about triggers right at the start. And I think the trigger, like you were saying, is, is that that person who's, they can see retirement coming and they're like, I have no preparations for this. I don't know what to do. And for me, I think the trigger is, hang on a second. Like I'm well-educated, I've actually got a good income. I'm not doing anything with it. And it's that kind of responsibility, I guess, in the person that kind of thinks this, I, I should do more. Like, but I have no idea how. So it's, yeah. So that's the kind of people that I feel I've I've spoken to the most who've come through. Um, and, and chatted with me, which is which has been really interesting, which absolutely fires me up because I'm like, yes, let's mm. go. Like just wait and see what could happen. So it's what, what,
0: what's what's the trigger for those people then? Because for like for the person who's just getting by, maybe lifestyle creep has kind of got them to the point where they've maybe slightly living above above their means with their, you know, nice car, maybe a house that they probably shouldn't have bought. But what is what is the trigger, would you say the most common trigger for the people that would come to you? In that sort of middle class environment of they're comfortable. Um, and they probably could go through life. Okay. But what what is it that's because I think because most people are quite comfortable in that scenario, generically speaking, um, unless something happens, like you know what i said about the trigger, is, is there a trigger? Is there something that maybe from your perspective that mm-hmm. causes or is it just they've just realized actually I could be doing more?
1: Oh, that's a great question. I think probably um it's, it's whenever there's a bit of a life change a life a, a life moment i would you call them uh one of those things in life where everything's like a milestone. milestone so it could be you know like we're thinking about having a kid or um we actually need to buy a house and we've got some money saved but we're like we need to get our ducks in a row to be able to make this happen mm-hmm. or it's somebody who um they've they've really i talked to a lot of people who are like I've got a good job now, but I've just realized that I don't want to be doing this for the rest of my life. Um, I need other options. And that mm-hmm. obviously is a very exciting conversation because you're like, well, there are other options. Let's yes. talk. <laughs> and, and then that's not, and, and then you get a load of people that love their job. Like I've got friends who love their nine to five. They mm-hmm. absolutely love it. But it's for them, it'd be more like just the, I guess, just, you know, making sure that you've got that extra or you've got, um, you've got the long-term mindset of, okay, but are you, are you okay long term, even in this job? So, yeah. Um, so I think it'd be those sort of those moments.
0: That's interesting because everyone has a different trigger, don't they?
1: Like
0: mm. it, it goes back to the whole fact that personal finance is so personal, is so subjective. Is. Like for those people who, um, for somebody who's got no money whatsoever and potentially is on benefits, is going to look at those people and think, "What a first world problem you have!" You know, think
2: about.
0: Yeah. But the 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 feeling of insecurity is is almost irrelevant to the value of, of the money that you have there it's the problem that you're faced with and the lack of the foundations being set yeah. of like i have my finances in order because at, at every level of the, the the scale whether you're a billionaire millionaire just an average joe like if you have those foundations in place then you're going to feel less kind of
1: yeah.
0: insecure about money and concerned and, and, and worried
1: yeah totally yeah and that
0: Your your um your, your handle on TikTok is Money for Millennials. Did you intentionally intentionally kind of target millennials or was that just because you're a millennial?
1: I, I did a bit like you. It was a bit of a whim and it sounded good at the time. Then I realized I can't spell millennials. So I actually, also <laughs> own, I actually own another handle because I got it wrong. I think. Brilliant. Um, yeah, no, I'm actually going to change it because um, so I'm in the process of uh, name change. Because sure. I actually I thought I thought I'm a millennial, let's talk to millennials. That would be natural. Mm-hmm. And but I think what I found is is similar to you. It's people in their 20s up to about 45. It's that span um that I'm really talking to. And I think thankfully some of them felt like they could still hang around, even though they're not millennials. Um, <laughs> but I think I need to I need to have the right name that's more about the message now. And I think um yeah, i I've got a few up my sleeve. There's a front runner, but it needs testing. So we'll you'll see it move on in the next couple of months, I think.
0: <laughs> so what you are thinking of completely changing your channel TikTok or are you just going to change the name of TikTok?
1: Um the whole lot. So my 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 name will always I think I'm gonna keep it as like what it is my name Anna and then my educator. But then yeah. um my business behind it will all be linked to this this new name. So need exactly. to get that right.
0: <laughs> Sorry. So you um kind of looking at your profiles and stuff, it says on Instagram that you're a songwriter. I am, yeah. Is (laughs) that tell me more about that?
1: Um so yeah, I'm I'm naturally a creative person. So I think this is why I'm I'm a bit of a weird person really, because I'm a maths and creative. So I've kind of done this strange overlap. Um yeah I've been a songwriter since I can remember I've always written songs um I actually did a, a year at BIM which is Brian Institute in Modern Music um in my 20s so I've got a diploma in songwriting or whatever it's called I can't remember what the qualification <laughs> is um yeah and I've written all kinds of different songs but I am a published writer in actually in the Christian music world oh, wow. so I write songs for churches to sing and I have done so th- that's not hymns that's like um uh, think pop music that's kind of what I've been writing um, I've actually I haven't for a couple of years because I've um, obviously been focusing more on this and I've had less time but um it's definitely something that I'll continue doing in the future um, and it's, it's it's a really nice creative outlet for me mm. um, it's a really nice way of processing life um just letting off steam um, yeah and I've written you know I've written all kinds of things but um yeah that's another little string to my bow
0: that's interesting i feel it because i never considered myself to be creative i probably would put myself more on the analytical sort of side of things um but probably i don't know whether it's a similar experience or not but kind of writing content for um for frugal spender doing whether it's a podcast or tiktok or youtube whatever it is i find the process of sitting down and writing that makes me more creative and i think I never, I was never somebody who was creative. You would never have looked at like that any job I've ever done. You would have said, oh, he's creative. But I find myself realizing actually I am quite creative in some aspects. I, I wonder whether, I wonder whether everyone has that because you say like, actually you have that sort of two sides to you of this kind of very creative, but then also the very mathematical, which, wouldn't yeah. normally which wouldn't normally kind of like correlate or dissect in the middle there. But I think maybe, maybe everybody has that. And I tell everybody mm. who has a passion about something, and it's only something I learned within the last couple of years, to to write stuff down. Like mm. whether it's journaling or just opening up a like a word document, if it's something that you're thinking about, is to just write, write it down as much as you can. Because I think I think it's such a good way to kind of like force you to think of new ideas. Yeah. Because if you have an idea in your head that's just kind of like it comes to you every couple of days and you think about it. if you once you start writing it down it kind of develops into something
2: hmm. that you
0: never would have thought of but it's all come from your brain which I find is very really strange it's all come from you but only once you kind of start splurging it out there that it actually kind of all forms together
1: yeah I think any work you do well yeah basically any work you do there was nothing until you did it and now there's something and that is creativity so it's it's you know, you've got to think like when you put a video, like that video didn't exist before Mm. you made it. And it's like, that's something, that's an incredibly insane, like amazing thought that you can just make something out of nothing just through your brain. And Mm. that's one of the things I love about what I do. It's like, yeah, I have an idea. Okay, like you say, write it down, turn it into something. You can make something out of that idea. Um, I do, um, do have you heard of the, um, oh, there's there's a book called The Artist's Way. I've just started reading, reading it about halfway through and in the beginning chapters, um, they talk about uh, the, the morning pages. And so then, you know, like everyone does like journaling or whatever, or, mm-hmm. you know, all these different types of journaling. Well there's one that's called the morning pages where you sit down in the morning and you just write like in a stream of thought, you just write for three pages, nonstop as much as, like, as much as you can. You don't look back over it. You never look back. You just write. And um, there's, a, there's a kind of method to it. Um, there's, you sort of, she talks about the, the critic, um, you know, analyzing the critic that's always in your mind, especially if you're a creative person, there's always the one that's going, oh yeah, but that's not very good. And it, it's, a, it's allowing your brain to sort of download everything that's going on in it, um, doing something creative, which is writing, and it sort of sets you up for the day because you've mm. allowed the creative process to start, but you've also taken everything that's going on in your head out, put it down on paper, and you've allowed it to kind of run its course and and you challenge it as well you challenge the ideas the thinking the the critic and you say actually no i I don't agree with that that's not right or this and um yeah it's really really fascinating and and she talks about it i've actually forgotten who the author is i'm saying she but i actually can't remember who the author is um they talk about it um as a uh a truly life-changing experience if you do it over a three three month period at least you kind of do it for a while and it's one of those things you can say it's a good idea but then when you actually experience it you're like oh wow this is amazing so yeah. I've started doing that a bit I can't I never normally fill three pages because I have kids running in like when I get to page one but yeah. um, it is a really really interesting thing because it's like joining those two worlds together and I very much see building a business as a creative activity. Um, I didn't used to I thought just I just need the right strategy. I just need someone to tell me how to do it. But I've realized more and more that if you're a business owner, it has to, the business you design has to be a design and it has to fit you as a person, which means you have to do it your way and and do it in a way that might be different from somebody else or probably will be different from somebody else. So I've started to see my business creation as, as a part of creativity as well, which has been much more fun and much more like exciting than, um, right I just need the right blueprint Blueprint. let's let's build it you know
0: what I mean yeah no definitely well you have to design something that fits with your life don't you I mean that's what that's what we've tried to do is create a an income stream or multiple income streams whereby I can walk my daughter to school and yeah. you know, get her from school and if you know one day we want to go and have lunch on a Wednesday afternoon um, then we can do that. Whereas, you know, that wasn't something that was possible when you're tied into a job that potentially you don't like. And like you said earlier, if you like your job, that's, that's, that's one thing. And you, you can definitely turn um, your job into a career and a passion. And for for the people who have that, um, and I was kind of that person when I joined the police, I would definitely mm. felt like, like that. But I think, you know, you go through stages in your life and things change and it's important to know that you can anybody, I truly believe that anybody can have a passion or something that they can uses an outlet for creativity and monetize it and i think yeah it's like kind of like get getting out of that kind of nine to five grind um is that something you talk about a lot with people you uh, work with
1: yeah i i honestly think with the right sort of thinking you can take the most like normal job and m- turn it into more than that um mm. obviously there is time and commitment involved so, so for example like i i know somebody who's a he's a primary school teacher and he, um, he's just very gifted in um, creating kind of almost like sets for the kids. So you, you'd have like a theme, you'd have like, um, I don't know, medieval or something. And he'd just build the classroom. You know how you've seen, seen teachers do it where they put like an entrance way and then they have this display over here. Very, very good at it. So he turned that into an Instagram account and he just posts his designs and everything. And he's like, he makes little resources Um, for each topic he's doing um, and post those and now he's got a business behind it so he sells some of the resources to other teachers and of course Mm -hmm. as another teacher you'd be like that's a great idea I'd love to have access to that so you're actually serving someone else and I think with teachers you're you know most teachers have are so busy and they're so focused on their one class that actually like sharing resources is a really easy business step because it's a lot of teachers need resources like all teachers need resources and I think anything a little bit different or creative can come as a really welcome uh, thing for somebody so he's just done so well and his Instagram account is absolutely beautiful and he does it alongside his teaching and now has another income stream so it's just an example of like there's loads of teachers in the world but not many of them have done that and I think just thinking a bit of creative thinking in your job can really open the world up to you a bit more
0: absolutely that's that's a good example actually because i think most people and i felt like that and i felt like i was going to get pushed back when you know when i was in the police and i was doing the kind of financey content creation on the side it was almost kind of like what are people going to think and i think a lot i think a lot of people are stuck in that mindset of Uh. kind of like whatever they get pigeonholed into whatever their job is that's who they are um and you're kind of you're almost afraid to step away from that. I'd certain, I certainly mean I still feel a little bit of that now because for a long time I was the police officer. I wouldn't cut I didn't come from a line of people in my family that are police officers. My mum was very proud that I became a police officer. Um and all my friends that that's that they just knew what I did, and that was kind of my identity for a few years.
2: Mm. And
0: just and and to and to step away from that and think actually, I mean, now it's different. Now I'm money guy. So it's kind of like so it's funny how quickly it can change, but I think it's like to to you you view yourself as this person because it's kind of like the, the your confirmation bias of every time you go to work, this is what you do. hack yeah. you're, you're a teacher. You're a teacher. You're hanging around with teacher friends. You go to you know, all you know everything you view online potentially might be teacher teacher related. Hopefully not. But the, like your world is teaching. So to step out of that and think, actually, I'm gonna maybe I'm gonna earn some money on the side and a lot the issue is trying to talk to people in a community that are doing the same thing and because that in particular is so niche how many teachers are there out there doing that so kind of it's almost like this bravery element to it of kind of like going out there and doing it and i think I, i i think anybody can do it but i can't think of a way of trying to get people to do it weirdly enough my my friend who is a teacher has just left her job um to uh, create like a home organizing business because she's very she 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 loved organizing she followed loads of these sort of people on Instagram and TikTok and stuff um and she was in a position whereby financially she could walk away and do that because she she was getting to the point where she hated she hated kind of what the job became not the teaching element because I think right. a bit like yeah. a bit like police and and NHS you kind of you only get into it because you love it But there's only so much sort of pressure you can take, whether it's pay or kind of the restrictions the government are putting on things and that sort of thing. Um, But she was able to walk away from it. But I think you need that mental space to do that, and I think it's really, really hard for people who work in sort of quote-unquote average job to find that mental space because you kind of, you wake up for people who have kids, they wake up, they get the kids ready for school. Kids go to school. You go straight to work. You work a hard day's work. You maybe have a commute on the way home. And then you have a small window of maybe time where you can relax, watch TV, have dinner. And then it's bedtime and it's wash and repeat. Like it's, and it sounds really depressing, but like, I think a lot of people are stuck in that kind of loop and there's no, there's no creative space other than maybe when you kind of like, I don't know, go on holiday. And I think most people, I definitely felt like this. Whenever I took that week away or two weeks away somewhere, like these ideas are just flowing through your head of what to do. Like it's you, you just you you park all that kind of like work anxiety and stress and day to day stuff, and you all of a sudden like, oh yeah, I could do this or I could do that. I could do this, but it, you 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 can kind of. F- create a life where you have more of that time. It doesn't have to just be when you go to like, I don't know, the Bahamas and the sunshine, like there's loads of other, you can create that environment for yourself by, for me, I wake up a little bit earlier in the day. Like I was saying to you earlier, like I, I wake up early. I either go to the gym or I sit, I sit in the office where it's completely quiet and I just write stuff. And I think for me, that's kind of, I almost like force that kind of not, it's not really a flow state, but it's that state of like, my brain goes to that place where I'm thinking of stuff, that's not being distracted by things around me
1: absolutely i think there's um there's a, the frontal lobe of your brain it's the executive function of your brain yeah. and for most of us during covid that became massively overstimulated i heard this on another podcast actually which just i just thought was so helpful um, and you you get to a point where you have so many decisions to make in a day because we had do we wear masks do we not am i allowed to go out how many people am i allowed to hang out with can I go to this supermarket because will they have the bread that I need that day? Like, you know, all all these, these constantly making decisions and and it was a complete overload. And then I think what happened was there's this like fatigue of the the executive function in the brain, um, which means it's really hard just to make decisions and think straight and all that kind of stuff. And I think you might, I I definitely experienced that myself, especially like homeschooling the kids, all that shebang. It was just, Mm -hmm. whoa. And what, I, what they've, um, the expert, on, I'm sorry, I don't remember who it was, but the what expert on the podcast was saying was that actually, in order to give that bit of your brain a break, um, and allow yourself to think better again, is to do very, very mundane tasks or activities. So, for example, the best thing you could do is something like a very long swim or a really long walk where it's like you don't have to think about the activity you're getting exercise for your body so you're benefiting from that psychologically as well and there's nothing for your your frontal lobe of your brain to think about and so therefore it just gets that respite so I've really utilized that and I get some of my best ideas when I'm just on a really long walk on my own and I'll just be walking along the seafront and thinking and maybe I'll have some music on or whatever but it is it's Allowing myself those moments in the day to just do mundane things. Or when I'm doing the washing, right? Really boring. So boring. But I have piles of it because I have three kids. So I'm sitting there doing the washing and suddenly I'll just have this idea and I'm like, oh, brilliant. And I think it's it's again, like you're saying, that creative space. I have loads of ideas on holiday. And Mm. I'm trying it like now I'm trying to like make sure that I, you know, because I feel like I've so much to do and I've got so much to Oh, just the build i'm kind of like yeah but i still need time out so i can actually think and make the right decisions yeah, so, yeah. yeah.
0: no absolutely and i think i now have more ideas than time probably sounds similar similar to you um how how do you how do you capture your ideas then if you're like if you're you know walking on the seafront and you have this idea do you write it down on your phone or yeah, something straight
1: away straight away I had to stop, I kept coming, when I first um, started my journey, I had so many business ideas, I had to like stop, because I was like, this is silly, like you need to focus on one thing, like stop being an idiot. So I've created this spreadsheet on Google Sheets, where I'm like, because I feel like your body wants to give it the airtime, like your brain's like, no, this is a great idea, can you just give it some value please yeah. so I created this spreadsheet where I basically put my best ideas on if anyone needs a business idea like come here, I've got so many um and, and you could I could sell the spreadsheet
0: doing, that could be the business I could, I could sell the spreadsheet.
1: absolutely and then it's got you know it's got the data thought of it it's got the, what it would be called like because that's really fun coming up with a name and then I and then I have like who would be who would be before and then what the concept of the business would be and, and basically when I started logging them then I started to like focus on my real life um and that actually really helped me so i have i use notes on my phone constantly so i i've got different notes for different things so it would be you know tiktok ideas it would be um just things i need to get done or sorted out or something that's not quite working or get back to so and so i just always i'm always writing things down really big believer. what about yourself
0: yeah pretty much the same it, and it comes to me at the most random of times and i think actually yeah that'd be a good tiktok video or youtube video or whatever um and then i just do the same thing kind of separate them on my, my notes and my phone and then just visit them whenever i'm kind of having a bit of a mental block i've definitely yeah. got more more in there and then i might revisit it in a week's time and go actually maybe that wasn't such a good idea so it's, it's interesting how these ideas work but I, I quite like to be quite spontaneous like with my with my mm-hmm. tiktok videos in particular i quite like to have like a if an idea comes to me and it's probably because I've listened to a podcast or read something and then it moles around in my head. And then I think about it and go, actually, this is a way of kind of maybe um, presenting it that might work and people might resonate with it. So I, I will literally just set up like the camera set, like my camera setup is pretty much up all the time now. So I just kind oh, of like, so I, I'll just walk in and then just kind of film it and then edit it afterwards.
1: Oh, that's handy. Wish I could do that. <laughs>
0: What's what like? Do you do you film on your phone, or do you film on? Yeah,
1: like... I do, I do, and but I'm I'm in the process of reevaluating all of this though, so hmm. yeah, it's, it's the awesome.
0: quality just does pretty good though. I think like I, I I've never had iPhone, and the iPhone cameras are definitely better for for kind of like TikTok filming, I'd say, but I have like a Samsung Galaxy, I think it's an S10, and it's just not the quality right. is not quite good enough it's still it's still good but it's not as good so I, I use a DSLR camera and then edit it, oh, after, which is which looks good quality wise but it is time consuming because I have to yeah. record it download it put it in Um mm. but it does kind of make me think a bit more beforehand about what I'm going to say because I think if I just use my phone at all times I will just like I'd be I don't know, walking just walking outside and I just probably record myself and upload it without putting much mm-hmm. sort of forethought into it so it kind of makes me not necessarily script it completely, but at least have a good outline mm. of what I'm going to talk about and then go through it that way. So it kind of forces me to be, be a bit more intentional with my content.
1: Yeah. Which I need a bit of that to be honest. I need to be a bit yeah. more organized, but there we are. We live, we learn.
0: You can't, you can't do everything. And that's why I think we've learning from business ideas. You've got to kind of rein it in sometimes haven't you and just think to yourself, let's focus on what's working, and double down yeah. on what's working. Yeah. So definitely. final question then from, from your perspective, what you're doing now, I know you've already asked me, but what is your what is your sort of ultimate goal with what you're doing? I know you've, you've got plans um, for potentially what you're working on at the moment, but
2: mm.
0: what is what is the ultimate goal with what you're doing at the moment? I know you've got a couple of businesses, so go go as far into it as you want to.
1: I think, I mean, the big, big, big goal, the huge goal would be to make sure that every adult in the UK comes out of i'm not that i would necessarily be the center of all of that but involved somehow my my piece of that that every adult in the uk comes out of higher education with a very good financial understanding of their you know personal finances that in in a way that they know the steps and set them up so from their first paycheck their first big paycheck they already know what to do with it for long-term growth and for long-term goal setting and all that kind of stuff like how amazing would that be for like how much would that change how things are if people knew how to make their money work and there was they weren't so stressed about it and people had an emergency fund it would and I think I think the world needs innovation right now like we don't need people just going through the motions we need innovators to have the freedom and the headspace to innovate because of the way things are going like it's not a great trajectory that we're on is it you know in so many on so many levels Um, And I think financial literacy can help with that. I really do. So to some, like, I would love to be um, able to prove with data to prove that this really works, to show it in a new way that through some training or some stuff I'm putting together, I'd love to prove that. And then I'd love to show uh, the powers that be just how important it is in a fresh way. And um, I think, so that's, I mean, that's a crazy big goal. But I um, I don't know, why not? Like, why not? It's, yeah. it's helped you. It's helped me. We both, we both benefited from what this stuff does for your life. And I'm kind of like, well, why don't we try and take that as wide as possible? Um, yes. But that's going to be a long, old road. But we're, we'll go one step at a time.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. I think we're all on a bit of our own sort of financial revolution we're all kind of at the same time. We've all got the same sort of end goal, I think, that are in this kind of niche Personal finance sort of area yeah. in the social media space. Um, I just I hope it can reach more people. I just all we need is for more people to download TikTok and the first video not to be like cats or dancing. If 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 the first video just happened to be about finance, hopefully they would get more finance videos in the future. Um but I think like there's a lot more people. Um I don't know if you follow the humble penny.
2: No, I don't um, actually.
0: I used to watch their stuff on YouTube um, and it's a couple and he um, broke free of kind of like corporate life and started very similar to what we talk about. um, Simple financial literacy. And they, they paid off their mortgage and they they just like between the two of them just create content. And um, every now and again, their stuff popped up on my Instagram and they like, they're going on this morning. They're going on like all sorts of like mainstream channels, getting that kind of word out. And I think, that, that potentially is like the only, the only avenue that I think, unless something like really, you know, somebody gets a really big lucky break and gets like a, I don't know, a TV show about this stuff, which I think might be possible. Um, Somebody who's got a lot of followers potentially gets approached. I'm sure that's probably in the works already because I think there's, there's some people in the UK space that are, you know, got millions of followers that are are definitely you know, sort of TV producers would be lapping that up. Um, But I think it, I think it needs something like that. I think it needs that yeah. break breakthrough of that kind of Martin Lewis exposure where we're talking about not just money saving, but yes, absolutely everything. And I think that is, that is the only way to slowly do it. And I don't think it's going to happen overnight Um, because you can't, I think it's, it may even take generations because trying to, trying to convince A whole bunch of either sort of millennials or gen z that investing investing is definitely becoming more mainstream for younger kids which is things a good thing it comes with its risks for sure but it's definitely it's definitely talked about more and you know you can go from investing nothing to having you know a few thousand pounds invested within 10 minutes on some of these apps so again comes with its risks but equally it's it's like it's so accessible you can walk around which again has its risks being able to look <laughs> at your porf- having your portfolio at hand at any moment to just log yeah. in is um I, if you're anything like me it's like i i tell everybody to just not look at it but it's almost like a daily ritual just to see what bitcoin's doing today um i will log on and just have a look it's, to be honest i'll probably hide under the guise of just curiosity but it's not i want to i want to kind of track it and know what's going on so i'm kind of cursed with the um desire for like this knowledge for personal finance but with that comes me wanting to know where i am at financially quite often
1: yeah yeah tracking it as you go
0: yeah like i'll budget once a month which is i've got i've got that down to i used to when i when i first started budgeting i became quite obsessive about it and i would like make sure everything's in order and then one weekend i'll double check everything's in order and then i think as i got better i like now i can do it within like two minutes on the last day of the month before yeah before we get paid um but i think when it comes to investments that's one of those things that it's too it's too accessible i almost want to like just put put out put out the way and just be like just leave it like i'm I'm, I'm, i've never tempted to like sell anything or anything like that that's definitely i i've never i think my my financial mindset with investing is pretty good now. Like I'm very much like this money's locked away for, I'm not going to, I reckon I'd probably struggle to sell those investments when I'm, yeah when it comes to the time that I want to start withdrawing yeah. it, um, yeah. which which comes into that same sort of com- conversation about money, guilt and spending. Cause I think I'd be yeah. like, oh, but if I left it in here for another couple of years when actually it's time, it's time to spend it. So I need to work on myself. I reckon over the, you know, the closer I get to whatever retirement is hopefully in the Bahamas when I'm 50 but if um, closer to that point I need to definitely try and like be like okay this chapter of life is now about spending money because I still have to check myself on a daily basis now like I like Georgie and I are pretty good She's, she's definitely the spender she definitely wants to go out there and experience stuff and go on more holidays and stuff and I and I'm very much like oh hold on hold on let's think this through let's think this through even though we have the money to do it I think it's important to have Almost opposing views, and yeah. I know they say you kind of like you tend to marry somebody who's your opposite, which I think is there's definitely truth to it. But I think it's quite important to have that kind of like, because then you can be in the middle. I'm going to spend yeah. more money; she's going to save and invest more money.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think me and my husband would be would be I think similar. I think probably I, but I'm the uh, I'm more of the ilk of I just want to build the thing, and mm. I can't switch off from building the thing. So the whole you know multiple shoes income i'm just like and it's like I can't yeah. rest until we've done it and it's like no you need to enjoy it along the way as well And i had someone i have a business coach and she sort of told me off for that reason didn't tell me off but you know yeah pointed it out to me in strong terms of like you have to enjoy what you've earned as well along the way and i think that's the challenge isn't it to get the balance right um yeah
0: that's interesting so uh, sorry we'll, we'll we'll continue for a bit longer if you have got the time um i'm interested in the idea of business coaches like I've yeah. never had one or like because obviously branding myself as a money coach um is is I guess putting myself in a similar kind of bracket to what that is do you find having somebody to kind of hold you accountable for things and give you guidance is that if you find that quite useful
1: yeah I've sort of I've got a couple of so I've got probably a mentor and then I've got somebody who's coached me a bit I sort of fell into the coaching thing by accident because we worked together a little bit so I was helping her with something and she was helping me it's kind of like a bit of both mm-hmm. honestly life-changing I, I, I can't recommend it highly enough if you find the right person and the right fit for you mm-hmm. so she was somebody um who I was following for two years already um I'd already been listening to her podcast like almost weekly like absolutely rate her anyway so the fact that I got to work with her even a little bit, so it's not like a regular ongoing thing, but it's a sort of a touch point. And um, the advice I've got and the, so here, here's me trundling along in my little journey. Here's somebody who's already done it and actually is at the, the height of their game. The, the kind of mismatch you feel in mindset and um, like upskilling when you just interact with that person was mind blowing to me. I was like, really? I'm literally just in the room with you having a conversation and I'm just picking up so many things because you just do life differently you just see things differently you see opportunities differently to me and it, it kind of shocked me because I was like I thought I was you know I, I thought I was doing all right and then I was spending time with her and I'm like you are so far ahead of me in your thinking and your outworking of your ideas and everything that it was like a, almost like a bit of a shell shock and then um and so I, I really recommend it because I think you can think you're doing well, but then when you find somebody who's just done that mm. bit further, it can just pull you up so much quicker. And then I have sort of a mentor as well, who's just kindly kind of sort of plays a bit of a non-exec role in what I'm doing. I um, mean, he's just fantastic. And But he's somebody who's just basically cheering me on and just wants to be a part of the journey. And I just think he's amazing. So I really recommend it. I think you awesome. just- should definitely consider having a go at getting a coach or something just i guess
0: it, it kind of like plays into the whole you're that you're the what's it you're, you're the sum of your five closest people or yeah. you're the sum of the you know the people you surround yourself with essentially and i think that if you surround yourself with people who have a mindset like a lack of mindset or you, you're gonna obviously pick up those things and it's interesting that you say that even just kind of the language and maybe some phrases that are used and some ideas that almost seem a bit alien because you don't really hear them all the time. If you yeah. just do surround yourself with those people, you are going to become more of that. And I think like that is so important for people to hear because you may just be stuck in this rut. And I think yeah. one of those places might, may not be to get a mentor or a coach, even though obviously, but based on what you're saying, it sounds like and I've seen and heard a lot of people that benefited greatly from it. But even just the people who you speak to every day, like the friends' houses you go to, the people you, you mm. associate yourself with at work, all those kind of things, like you, you're going to try and fit in subconsciously with those people. So you're going to use the same language. You're going to, use, you know, you, and it was, it was, it even say that you're like your average salary throughout your life is the, is the average of the wow. five people around you. So your five, I think, I think it's five. It's either three or five. Like statistically, you are, your salary is the average of the five closest people that you hang around with.
1: Wow. Isn't and that that's, amazing?
0: Yeah. Now, if that's not evidence that you know, you just you do what you can to fit in. You say what your friends say. You do what your friends do. Then I don't know what is. Yeah,
1: I agree. Yeah.
0: Wow. Mindset again, wow. mindset. Anna, you should be queen of the world so you can solve all the financial problems.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: can you imagine? That would be awful. I would just be. <laughs> Just, yeah it's like winning the lottery You'd be like i don't know what to do this yeah um absolutely, no to absolutely. be honest though it is so nice talking to somebody who is on coming coming from the same kind of point of view but also doing something about it mm-hmm. um and trying to get the word out so this has been such a sort of helpful and encouraging conversation um so let's go change the world let's just go. yeah,
2: yeah
0: <laughs> absolutely no i've enjoyed it too and i think um, people listening will get a lot out of it um, and if they want to come and follow you see what you do where should they go
1: at tiktok come to at my money for millennials for now because this might be changing in the next couple of months and um, I'm space. now making my sort of debut on instagram believe it or not I've given oh, yeah. in so I'm at my money for millennials because uh, you know I was late to party Absolutely. so uh, if you want to join me there please do and um, yeah it's, it's, it's Hopefully, you'll find it useful as well.
0: Amazing. Anna, thank
1: you. Thanks for having me.